Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 39 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday? Another Vault episode? Going to go back to the UK here. Another cat spent some time over there. A very, some very controversial time as well um, with Joe Grimaldi. And um, it was funny when I first released this episode. Um, all the uh, the amount of it got a lot of attention online. And uh, I know on Twitter I was just uh, under siege. And uh, a few people, what uh, I, I believe that's when I got called a bell end. That was pretty funny. And uh, yeah, and a wanker and uh, everything else. I'm not sure. I'm like, well, it's not. I'm not telling the story. I'm just the guy interviewing him. I don't, you know, um, I remember I, I was, I was directing all the heat to Joe. I'm like, well, he said it, it's his show. It's his, uh, it's his interview. But, uh, no, there's a few characters over there that, uh, took umbrage apparently with, with the, uh, with the interview, but uh, all right. But, uh, if you're if you're new to this, you're just tuning in because you saw Joe's name, or you know you're a, a UK fan just tuning in. Um, last week I had uh, Riley Emerson on, and before that Matt Nickerson, and um, yeah, like I said, you know this is episode 39, so obviously 38 other episodes. Um, you know John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat um, talked to lots of great guys. Um, Jason Goulet, there's another UK guy. Um, you know, and, uh, and Jeremy Cornish, there's another one, you know, just go back in the back catalog and you'll, you'll definitely find someone, you know, and, uh, you know, tune in. And, uh, like I said, uh, if you're listening now, I appreciate it. I know there's, uh, there's lots of podcasts to listen to out there. So the fact that you, uh, chose this one, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, as well as, you know, of course, with the Hockey Podcast Network, they have all the NHL teams are representative, so represented. So whatever fan, whatever uh, team you're a fan of, I mean, there's a podcast on the network. Uh, check it out. And uh, also Terry Ryan's on the network. And, uh, you know, um, so, yeah, check it out. And uh, also for my, my off-network off boys, uh, Alec over at Five for Fighting, um, he's always doing great stuff. Just had Jack Gregg on. That was a listen to that interview yesterday. It was a fun interview, kind of a, a cool look at the Colonial League and and uh, the Sunshine League, and uh, so you know some rare, rarely talked about leagues. So it was cool to kind of get the behind the scenes of the dude that fought like Engelstad and Holiday and all those guys. Uh, Joe over the Coliseum Chronicles. I know Joe's taking a couple weeks here and uh, just to regroup and take get a breather, uh, which we all need to do at times. And uh, but he'll be back. But he uh, he interviews Islander guys, and then uh, Bobby Longgrass over the Bucket Drop podcast. He's got one more episode coming out, episode fifty, and then he's uh, he's going to be done for the year. So uh, season one, I guess, will be in the books. So um, definitely go check that out. But uh, yeah, no guys. Other than that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I hope uh, I know some folks out there are listening or watching the playoffs, and uh, 
uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's been funny how, how how central focus Ryan Reeves has been, and how online I've talked to a few people, and they're just some of them, you know, whatever. I mean, the Vegas fans obviously dig it, but uh, other people whine and bitch about them, and uh, you know, an old windy city hockey there, yeah, son, you fucking idiot, yeah, crying about him, and oh, he's hitting guys half his size, and like I told him, I didn't realize this is, this is Pop Warner, he's got to take, he can only hit hit guys above six feet tall, like, no, oh, yeah, you know, but I got told, well, I guess, you know, you don't get it, because you never played, yeah, like this guy was the, the fucking all-star, and I, I need to clue in, oh, fuck, you know, hockey Twitter, tremendous. Yeah. Oh, so many gym league or so many uh, gym class heroes on there. Yeah. But uh, and if he played on the Blackhawks, he'd own his fucking jersey and nerd. So yeah, anybody that has the team name or team logo in their avatar, I don't. Ninety five percent of the time, I'm not taking you very seriously. Yeah. But um, but I was talking to Wade there too, and I mean, him and I have followed each other on Twitter for a long time, and I mean, never had any. You know, whatever, just disagree. But I mean, he's bitching about Reeves. About that's all they do is talk about him. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Mentioning him for one minute and a between show, between period show. I don't know if that's all the time, but all right, you know. But why he only plays eight minutes and no power play? He doesn't score. He hasn't scored yet or fought. And blah blah blah. Like, I don't know why. Well, because he's theater, man. That's why. I mean, they put a camera on him, and he's constantly yapping, getting in people's faces, mouthing coaches off, challenging guys. Well, he's challenged. He hasn't fought yet, but he's been challenging everybody. So, and uh, it's it's theater. I mean, that's the point. That's what they're trying to sell, right? Is emotion, and and I, I always say every movie needs a bad guy, right? Well, Reeves is the bad guy. So, and every and you hate him. Well, that's the point. You know, I noticed the game he was suspended. Dallas smoked him. Then when he came back, they won. You know, and I mean, people can go on about how he plays at six minutes or hasn't scored and doesn't do anything. And well, clearly Vegas seems to think he does something as they re-sign him to a two-year deal. You know, he can't play hockey. That's always a good. He can't play hockey. Well, you know, what does that mean? He he's played out what four hundred NHL game. What are you talking about? He doesn't can't play hockey. What does that even mean? This is like rhetorical. I mean, you just sound like an idiot. Well, he can't skate. Well, he led the league in hits. So, or if he led, he was top three for sure for the last couple of years. Got to be able to skate. You know, like that's you're a moron. He doesn't. He can't skate. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, and he's a goon. Oh yeah. Let me guess. You've been watching hockey for about like three years now. You're a massive fan. Yeah. You, trust me. You wouldn't know what a fucking goon is. If if you watched some of my fights on the YouTube channel, you would probably cry yourself to sleep. If you think Ryan Reeves is mean, oh yeah, okay. He's Sunday school when you compare him to Schultz and Probert and guys like that. Wendell Clark, what Wendell Clark did to guys, or McSorley did to people, or Semenko. Yeah, but Reeves, Reeves is mean. Oh, okay, you know. But no, him, he's had a good, solid playoff. He's been, you know, and uh, Matt Martin's playing really well. And no, it's been really cool. And, uh, you know, big boy hockey wins again. I don't know how many times it has to be said, but, you know, it, uh, you know, they don't get it. But uh, the analytics nerds, and, and there's the guy in there. Oh, if it was just all about analytics. Like, tr- Toronto analytically was the best team. Oh, okay. Like, but they got eliminated in the first round. Like, what are you talking about? 
it's just we it, meanwhile you call yourself an analytic jerk whatever that i'm like well you're making your own product look stupid by saying dumb shit like that like you know what oh i always laugh at these like gym class heroes that just these mathletes that somehow think they came up with this like this is new shit it's like they've been doing this shit since the 80s like roger nielsen was doing this shit in the 70s like this isn't new like you know, but oh, they create some new math problem to come up with some new fucking. Well, this guy has the best first pass zone entries on Tuesdays on road games. Oh, right on. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Highest faceoff winning percentages after eight o'clock Eastern by left hand by left handers. Like, oh yeah, right on. Yeah, okay. Got to sign him. You know, it's like oh god. But whatever. New age nerdum. It's taken over the sports world in every sport. It's just become pathetic. I mean, the talent is obviously there. I mean, today's athletes are unbelievable, but... Ugh. Just douche. But anyway, enough of that. Enough of rambling about that. But, um... No, other than that, I hope you guys, uh, like I said, uh, enjoy your... Uh, all I know is the NFL starts tomorrow, and I'm excited. I'm recording this on a Saturday, by the way. I know it's out on Sunday, but I'm recording on Saturday. Um, so I've got to do my NFL picks. I'm getting pretty excited. How's Gerald Burrow going to do in Cincy? You know, uh, you know Brady in Tampa, Newton in New England. It's all changed. I mean, it's going to be uh, pretty wild. I know Kansas City looked pretty solid there on Thursday, so... Yeah, looking forward to the uh, NFL season. Back to betting. I haven't bet for a while. I need to bet again. But, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, no, other than that, uh, uh, got some stuff lined up. Got some players lined up. I've done two two hours with this guy, and uh, we haven't not done yet. We're only like halfway through. So um, hopefully our schedules can mix here, and uh, I'll get him back on the on the on the show for part two, and we'll wrap the interview up. Got a few guys in the bullpen. Actually, a couple guys uh, that contacted me out of the uh, after a long. I tried to get a hold of them like months and months ago, and they just got back to me. And I've been in contact with regular contact with them, so hopefully it works out because I'm really excited. Just to, my old WHL '90s WHL fandom. Hopefully, we'll uh, I can I can sit down and talk with this cat because it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, other than that, um, like I said, I won't announce it until it's done. So. Um, but until then, I hope you guys keep checking uh, checking me out. Uh, go on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on YouTube. I have over 2,200 fight videos from junior to pro, any league you're looking for. Go to YouTube, Fourth Line Voice, check it out. Um, like and subscribe. And uh, I guess you don't really like on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Do that, please. And uh, But on the whatever platform you happen to be listening to, uh, iTunes or whatever, if there's a rating system, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out. I really appreciate it. I mean, you're going there to hit download anyway. And uh, other than that, guys, um, how about we get uh, we get rolling? But before we do... Oh, and I was going to say, um, I was going to do this. I mean, it's a sponsor of the show. I know you guys don't like ads. Oh, my God. Don't hit fast forward, though. If you're a Jersey guy, seriously, check this out. Um, I know a lot of you guys are always buying jerseys, and you don't like to buy the knockoffs. You want to buy the real things. Well... For uh, our network here, it's a really cool sponsor. It's CoolHockey.com. They've been around since 1999. They're NHLPA endorsed. Real deal. And, um, 
you know, they're uh, you guys are getting the jerseys, and like I said, it, it's a they and our the network here gets a kickback. It helps Ish and Dylan the boys out. I mean, uh, you know, pay for this whole for this whole outlaw mud show, and, uh, and like I said, it uh, and and you get a great deal. Um, you know, like I always say, when I was at the mall and I was looking at the jerseys at Jersey City and over at uh, Olympian Sports, actually, you want three hundred dollars for like authentic jerseys and i mean it's crosby or price or you know whoever they have that's what you got to get with this on cool hockey it's the same you know custom jerseys but you can get whoever you want get whatever name you want like talking to joe he's a big islander guy and i mean you know he's going to be uh picking up an islander jersey here i know he was talking to me i think he's going to get a scott sisson's jersey you know so that'll look pretty cool and uh 185.99 canadian shipping and free shipping out of toronto Use the promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, like I said, 30% off and free shipping. Hey, can't beat that with a stick. What more can one man do for you? And uh, there you go. And like I said, you can get whatever you want on it. Griswold Double Zero, you know, whatever. God of Thunder 69, whatever you're into. And uh, like I said, all the teams are represented there. And, uh, you know, talk to Joe. I mean, when he he'll let you know how good the the Sisson's jersey turned out. But uh, no, I've talked to people that have ordered from there. They've all the stuff's been solid, no problems, uh, great customer care. And uh, hey, there you go. I mean, like I said, you're buying the jerseys anyway, so why not use this deal? It helps the network out. You get you save money and you get a jersey. So there you go. Um, CoolHockey.com. Check it out. But uh, there we go, guys. And uh, let's get rolling. Hey. So uh, I will talk to you all on Wednesday. And uh, in the meantime, here's my interview with Joe Grimaldi. Thanks, guys. All right, here on the fourth line voice, all the way from California, we got uh, Joe Grimaldi. How are you? How is it going today? It's going great, man. Thanks for uh, <clears throat> thanks for having me on the show. I know we we chatted like a month ago, and it was it was great to uh, to connect. Uh, but somebody that still appreciates old time hockey. So I, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. And, uh, oh, I know you've, uh, we, we, uh, you told some good, good stories on the phone and, uh, I'll look forward to diving in. And, uh, like it, like I was telling you, we'll, uh, we'll timeline your career and, uh, you know, and, and we'll talk about, uh, coaches and teammates and opponents and, uh, and and some 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 incidents in the UK and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So uh, if uh, if you're ready, yeah, to, I, if you're if you're ready to roll, we'll get at it. Yep, I'm I'm ready to roll, man. I it's, again, I appreciate you having me, and it's uh, it's great to connect. So yeah, I'm ready to go. All right, well, we'll start off. So you're uh, you were born in New York, correct? Yeah, I was born in uh, in Queens, New York, uh, 1986. That was that was the year. There you go, and uh, and you played your minor hockey uh, in the area. Yeah, I played. I played growing up for this organization called uh, Suffolk PAL. It's um, it's a, it's a police organization, so it's a travel program. I played there growing up, and then um, when I got into juniors, I played for the Junior B Bobcats or the Junior B Islanders or whatever, and. Um, they were ran by this gentleman named uh, Dan Marshall, ended up kind of <clears throat> kind of being my mentor. But yeah, I start I played my hockey in Long Island, and and I grew up with a lot of a lot of great players, um, which we could talk about later. But yeah, there's a lot of pro guys that I grew up playing with, so I was a, ended up being a Long Island kid, basically. 
Well, I know we were. Uh, <coughs> uh, I know you played on the under eighteen, uh, the USA under eighteen team, and uh, just looking at that roster, I mean, you got Phil Kessel, Jack Johnson, Nick Foligno, uh, Corey Schneider. I mean, uh, that had to be that had to be something. What was uh, what was playing with a young Phil Kessel like? <laughs> Honestly, I thought he. I mean, I think, I think when everybody was young, you know, we all have like our faults, and we're green, you know, we're green and immature, and God knows, I was a snot-nosed prick um, from New York, so I, I, I didn't have any room to talk. But um, I think Phil was probably the same that he is now. He, he didn't like working out. He kind of had a milk body. You know, but the guy could could skate like the wind, like, you know, north-south hockey. He was like, holy crap, you know. And, you know, he could shoot. And he wasn't very big then, but, you know, he was cocky. And I kind of thought he was a prick. Um, but um, as, as he, you know, as he should be, you know, he had all the hype around him. It's kind of hard not to be. So, um, but no, yeah, I mean, I was able to to play with him there. We I think we, we won a silver medal. Uh, at the World Championships in Minsk, Belarus, in uh, I think 2000, 2002, 2003, or somewhere like that, and um, he played up with the older team because he's an '87 birthday and I was an '86, and he did a he did a great job. He's he's got a he's had a hell of a hell of a career, but I still probably think he's the same guy. I think either you like him or you hate him, you know, and. It, 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 that's where it goes. So, what was um, what was Nick Felino like? You know, I didn't. I interacted with him a little bit. He didn't get called up too much uh, to the older team, but uh, he was a nice kid. Honestly, he just—I believe he's Italian like me. He's just a nice Italian kid. He was very respectful, very receptive, treated everybody nice. Complete opposite of Phil Kessel, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I got, I didn't interact with him, you know, probably as much as, uh, as Phil, you know, I sat on a fucking 18 hour plane ride with him to the fucking world championships and I've never wanted to punch somebody in the face more. <laughs> so, <laughs> there goes, well, you know, I'm trying to not say too much, but you know, some guys get on your nerves a little bit, you know, like I said, you know, um, a lot of these kids that were coming up through the program that were really, really, you know, high, high stature, you know, players or NHL that were going to be NHL picks, you know, their families like, you know, moved, uh, moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan and like they uprooted their whole family. Whereas like the rest of our, nor- the normal fuckers, you know, our parents were like, listen, pack your shit. You're going to Ann Arbor. Like we're staying here. So I had like the true billeting experience. Whereas, um, like for instance, Jack Johnson, you know, his, his, uh, his, his, I think his mother moved out there, or his mother and his dad, and, you know, he, he, he lived at home. So I think some players got the true experience and had to really learn how to transition on their own, and then the, some of the some of the, you know, the rest of them had their, their mother's thumb in their mouth like a pacifier. So just depends how you want to look at it. But, no, I played with some great guys there. I mean, we had uh, Nathan Gerby, who had a good NHL career, a yep. uh, little guy worked his ass off, played tough, did everything that, you know, that the coaches told him to do, um, you know, really got along with all the guys, and he was a great dude. Um, 
got nothing, nothing, nothing bad to say about him. And he was, you know, he's just a guy that just played balls out, worked hard. Um, I'm trying to think, played with Kevin Porter, who he's won a Stanley Cup with uh, the Penguins. Um, he had a pretty long. I mean, he's, he's in. I think he's in. I think he's the captain of the Rochester Americans right now. Um, but Ports had a. Ports was a great player. Um, nice guy. Like spent a lot of time with him. Funny guy. You know. Um, I'm trying to think. Is any other names that pop up on that list? Uh, Peter Mueller. Oh, Peter Mueller. Um, great. Uh, he was a quiet kid when he was at the program. He had like long hair, like longer hair down by his. That, that that was in back then. Like you had the you know the longer flow. Yeah. I never got into it. Um, but yeah, just a quiet kid, nice kid, you know, nothing, uh, nothing, you know, bad to say, you know, about him. Just, uh, he only had a couple prima donnas on each team, you know, and then the rest were kind of just normal dudes, you know? It doesn't, anybody listening that's played on any athletic, on any team, there's always guys, right? I mean, you don't like every one of your teammates. I mean, every team I've been on, there's been guys I didn't like. But I mean, that was just you know the way it is, and you know. But at that point, when you're playing, and uh, I mean, you know, like you said, pretty select group. Um, did you have any idea of of the NHL, or was that still miles away? And like, what's your goal at that point? Are you just trying to you're yeah. you know, you're just kind of going along and see what happens, or? Well, believe it or not, you know, like my dad. I think it comes down to your, your family in a way, too. Like, my dad played professional baseball in the New York Yankees organization. So before I was born, you know, my dad had this fucking, you know, dream in his head that I'm just going to be I'm going to be a pro athlete. I'm going to make it further than him. So and I think a lot of the hockey guys, you know, you look like an Eric Nystrom, like, his dad was taking pictures of him in the fucking cup when he was two. Like, you know the kids go into the NHL, right? So um, I think... You know, I started to realize it probably when I was drafted into the OHL. I, like I said, I was playing for the Junior B Bobcats, and I was playing for this gentleman, like I said earlier, named Dan Marshall. And, I mean, this guy was a Canadian from the Sioux, uh, and I just, just hit it off with him. Um, I think my Italian background and the Canadians, we just we get along well. My dad used to beat the shit out of me when I didn't play well, so... Uh, I had a very high standard at a uh, at a young age, um, and I think I learned that. I, I think I started to learn my ability when I was probably fourteen, fifteen. But I was a late bloomer. I was more of a rough, tough, you know, stay at home defenseman that could play in the power play. But I never really had that offensive ability. Um, it just it just wasn't there at that point. And so I, I started to realize the dream was real. And then I literally got asked out of the blue. I was like the last pick of like the national team that, uh, that first year. And, you know, I, I didn't even see it coming. And, uh, you know, you gotta understand, you know, you're putting 25 guys or 22 guys, you're putting the biggest, you know, for that year, the biggest swinging dicks in the country. And you're putting us all in one room, you know, that like, you know, there's going to be fireworks a little bit, right. There has to be in the beginning. You know, so when you come in, it's like hell, it's like hell month and the coaches just want to break down everybody's fucking ego, you know, and they're like, listen, you guys are going to be together for two years and da 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 da. So it's quite, it's a great program. It's a great program to be a part of. I owe 
a lot of my my career to like I said debt. I definitely owe my early career and the baseline to be a pro, to be a pro. I you know I definitely thank Dan Marshall hundred percent. Um, I also think there was this Russian coach who worked with the Islanders for years. Um, his name's Alexei Nikiforov. He's trained. If you go back to Long Island and you look at the players that have came out of there, like the Commissariks, the Nystroms, you know, I mean, you go through the list, this guy, Alexei Nikiforov and Dan Marshall, they've trained them all. It's like we always, all these guys like Higgins, we all hung out, hung out every summer you know, just doing camps together. And all these two cocky coaches were just like, one guy was skill, one guy was more like, um, I guess your meat and potatoes kind of, you know, Canadian, showing the Canadian, bringing the Canadian Canadian game down into the States. So I, I, I was very blessed, you know, to be, to, to be around all these athletes, you know, because in the summer, you know, you, when you're around all these higher athletes, you got to elevate your game. Yeah, And, you know, it's just, it was really great. And just to be a part of, then to be asked a part of the national program and started to say, Hey, like, you know, Higgins, Commissarek, Nystrom, they're in this program and now I'm in this program. So it's like, I'm on the right pathway. Yep. I mean, that, it, it basically says you're the top 22 and you're the top 22 in the country for your age group. And then you're going to go play against the other best kids in the world. So it gives you a pretty good barometer where you're at. And it definitely gives you a fucking wake up call right away. Big time biggest wake-up call, and I'm, I'm really glad I did it. I mean, even off the ice, I mean, they trained us, you know, my, even my work ethic, how it, like, how they molded us to, to work out in the weight room, how to work out consistently, you know, during the season, how to put up with a, uh, you know, a 70-80 game rigorous schedule, you know, um, and just it prepares you for everything that's about to come ahead. But the thing is, is that you're so young, I, it's it's really difficult because they're they're trying to you know their your decisions the decisions you're making at 15 16 year olds are decisions that are going to pave the pathway for your career and it's you know some people are not ready for that just from a uh, maturity standpoint so I hope, hopefully that gives you a no a little good. insight yeah absolutely well you so you talk about getting uh, picked in the OHL draft but you actually went to college instead the University of Nebraska Omaha. Um, who, like, did, did Ottawa pick you in the draft, or who picked you? Um, so I was picked up by the Windsor Spitfires. Okay. Um, general manager at the time was this guy named Mike Kelly, big time OHL guy. Last I heard, um, he was with Guelph, um, the Guelph Storm, and believe it or not, when I retired. He hired me. I was the head Midwest scout for the Gulf Storm for two years. So I got to work for the guy that drafted me. So that was pretty <laughs> full circle. Yeah. Kind of pretty. Yeah. Pretty full circle. I got this guy flying down at the time I was living when I retired. I, I went back to Omaha, Nebraska and was finishing my degree and uh, working for Porsche, uh, the German car company. And I was scouting on the side. And I'm like, I got this, I got this, this big time. GM coming down to look at, you know, I had players and got to come down and look at and I got to take it to the games. And it was, it's pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experience working, uh, working for Guelph, uh, for a little bit, but yeah, um, he picked me up in the draft. Uh, I told him that I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to come, you know, I was going to go to college because I had like, I had about five or six scholarships 
uh, to different schools. And so they took me in the seventh round. And, you know, when I said, hey, you know, when, when they took me, I was like, okay, wait a second. So I'm, I got drafted in the seventh round. Then I got asked to go to the national program. I said, hey, you know, things are starting to, all the hard work, and it's really starting to, you know, to pay off. And, I mean, like I said, those two coaches that, every, that were, were running Long Island, everybody was going to them. You know, not only were you playing for your teams and having practices two, three days a week at night, but you were going to them at 5.30 in the morning before school for like an hour and a half, two hours on the ice. Then you go to school and you go to practice at night. I mean, the schedule that they had us on, I mean, it was, it's crazy. And it was expensive for the parents. Like I look back, like my parents could have had fucking three beach houses. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, 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 if you're, if you're, if you're a poor white family, you can't play hockey. Nope. It's just how it is. Nope. I mean, I think, and as we started to get older, I mean, I think it was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars just to be on a fucking team. Well, that's even before you fucking traveled. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And my dad was like, my dad was a, a New York City police officer. You know, it's like blue collar family, family. You know, so it. Uh, my father always wanted to make sure he was getting his money worth. You know, if I if I had a bad game. Holy fuck. I mean, I, I know we talked about it, but like, I remember a couple of times, like he, not a couple of times, a lot of times, I mean, he fucking broke, you know, broke, cracked my sticks in half and said, you know, why, you know, why am I paying all this money if you're going to play? Like, kind of like, I mean, it was pretty close to Patrick O'Sullivan's story a little bit. I mean, he didn't, my dad didn't burn me with a cigar or anything, but, you know, I think coming, growing up from, my dad grew up in Brooklyn and, Italian family from Brooklyn and people from New York. I mean, they, it's just a mentality on the East coast that, you know, that's there. I don't know if it still exists. You can't get away with that. Now you'll end up in jail. These parents, the parents these days are crazy in a whole nother way. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, the OHL was a cool, it was a cool thing to be a part of. I, I always wonder if I would have went as like a true 15 or 16 year old, you know, if, if something, you know, if, if something would have matriculated, you know, more, you know, if I would have been a higher, you know, if I would have got drafted or been a higher draft pick or et cetera, but you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? So. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, the road not taken. I mean, there's no, there's no point in looking back now. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So, but I mean, you go to the university of Nebraska, you play 38 games, you get 17 points. How was the, uh, you know, how, what did you, th- what did you think of the college game? Um, well, I kind of was, like I said, I knew what to expect because when I was on the second year in the national program, half the schedule was playing college teams that last year. So we played like University of Michigan, we played all these schools. So I kind of, college hockey, I always, the best way to describe it is I call it North-South hockey. It's like up and down, up and down, up and down. And that that was back then. And then OHL was considered East-West hockey. In my, where it's more like slowing the game down, you know, players cutting in, crossing, you know, make, really making plays. It was, it wasn't just a run and gun, dump the puck, chase, which that's what college hockey was. And I personally, I guess I like college hockey. I mean, for me, it was the whole package, right? You know, I was like, okay, this is great. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big swinging dick on campus. You know, I'm playing in front of 15 you know, 15,000 fans a night in a brand new arena that's always sold out. You know, um, I'm the number one defenseman on the team. 
you know, I'm playing, I'm playing the mo- I'm logging the most minutes in my freshman year than anybody on the team. Um, I think I made all American that year and all rookie. Um, I made all, I think the other defenseman that made all rookie with me was Niskanen, who's still playing. So he had a, had a great career. Um, but you know, just, it, it was, I think the college, I think the experience was amazing. Um, you know, you know, going to school, just, just everything. It was just, it was a really, I, I'm so happy that I was able to, to at least experience that, that year and a half or that year. And, um, and I'm so happy that I went to the OHL because, I mean, I, I got to see it all. I mean, early in my career, I did, I did every, I, I've, done, I've done everything. So it was, it was great. And then, you know, we can get into the OHL more, but, you know, that's, well, yeah, so I got you, to well, play so for one of the like greatest said, coaches. Yeah, like you said, half the next year you play 19 games, then you decide to leave, and you go to the Ottawa 67s with legendary Brian Kilray as the coach. Um, what made you leave? Well, I was – so how it works with colleges is, and I don't know if people know this, but, you know, they make certain prom- – they make promises to you to get you to come in. And, and for the most part, they want to fulfill – those promises. So they had promised me the first strike came in, you're going to play power play. You know, you're going to play penalty kill. You're going to play in every situation. You know, you're going to be on the first line defense. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Well, one thing you got to remember is, you know, during your freshman year, they're making promises to other guys that are going to come in the next year and they got to fulfill those too. So, you know, I had, like I said, I had a, I had a, stel- I had a stellar year, you know, for, for a defenseman. And the next year I came in and it was like, you know, I'm not on the power play. I'm not playing a lot of minutes. And I'm like, somebody's playing in front of me that just got on the team. And I'm kind of like scratching my head. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, I could see if I had a bad year or if I like, you know, burned my spot. And then all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't playing well. But I was like, it should, the way I looked at it is, is that when the new season started, the way I, the way I cultivated the first year, I should, it should have been mine to lose. And, I, I didn't get drafted uh, after my freshman year of college, and I always wondered. Um, I was on the draft list. I forget what number I was. But, you know, I, I always wondered, you know, and this could have been my immature thinking at the time. You know, I'm like, oh, did they did they call up my coach? You know, did they ask about me? Did my coach say, oh, he has no interest in leaving, he's going to stay? You know, or did they, did they do everything in their power? to give me the best opportunity uh, to get drafted. And at the time, I doubted it. And like I said, it, you know, I was, what was I, 18, 19 years old? You know, um, I thought I knew everything, but I really knew shit. Um, so, you know, I talked it over with my parents, and at the time, there was a lot of secret things going on in the OHL, you know, money was ending up on people's laps, we should say. I don't know if you guys heard about stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But, you well, know, my like, brother went through it. I know Rob- about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, at the time, you know, I remember, like, Robbie Shrimp was going to the OHL because me and Shrimpy, we we knew each other because we played. How it works is, is that every state puts together, like, a like a Team USA, like a little best players in the state. <laughs> And then you go play for like a national tournament. And then out of that national tournament, you get picked for the national program. So I used to see Shrimpy when we would go, you know, play for Team New York and all this stuff. And I remember in the OHL process, I had heard rumors that he was getting like 200 grand or 150 grand to go to the OHL. And, you know, and I, at the time, like, I didn't know if it was true or whatever, but I realized that when I was, when, when, 
the Ontario Hockey League started to get wind that I wanted to leave school, you know, and I just, the places I had played and the numbers that I had put up, I got some very crazy attractive offers. And, you know, my father looked at me and he said, he said, listen, he goes, you can always go back to school. School's not going anywhere. He goes, you're a good student. I know you'll go back. Promise me that you'll go back. And, but he said to me, he said, he said, if someone's going to throw a bucket of money at you like that to play a game that you love, he said, I, I, he goes, he goes, he goes, take it. He goes, take the shot. He goes, go for it. That's what I did. Um, my rights got traded. I mean, Lon- London was trying to get me. It was between London Knights, London Knights and Ottawa. And I believe Shrimp was on the team at the time. And I don't know. I mean, I had a great experience playing for Kilray. I mean, the guy, it was like, they really, it was a first class operation, you know, after they, you know, after they picked up my rights. Um, we flew, we, we flew in for a game. They, they picked us up from the airport. My father was with me. I mean, they, you know, the whole bit, you know, they're just giving you gifts as soon as you walk into the airport. They gave my dad a wad of cash. Kil- Brian Kilray pulled out a wad of cash out of his, out of his fucking pocket and gave it to my dad and said, this is just t- take care, get settled in, take care of what you guys, they put us up at a nice hotel. It was really a great experience. And the first game, I'll never forget this, the first game, and I, I think a lot of players have stories like this, but the first game we were playing away in, uh, at St. Michael's, St. Mike's, and they let my dad come on the bus. And, you know, my, you know, my dad, he, he didn't know anything about Canadian hockey or, you know, he didn't really know the, how the bus trips work and all this stuff. And next thing you know, we're on a bus. And I had never seen any shit like this. You know, Brian Kilray gets on the bus. And, I mean, when Brian Kilray talked, Brian, Brian Kilray didn't have to raise his voice. He, he earned respect of the players. That's what I think is a problem these days with these coaches. They come in and they just fucking demand respect. They demand respect. Or it's like some... Some coach that's fucking fat can't even, you know, he, he, he can't see his dick because his belly's over his belt, and he's trying to tell a player to work out. And it's like, you know, Brian Killer, he earned the respect of the players. He made you, not made you. He, you wanted to, you wanted to play at your, at a hundred percent for Brian Kilroy. You wanted to go through the fucking bat. If, if he told you to go through, go skate as hard as you can, jump through the fucking glass, you did it because he just, that just, he was that type of guy and. He never had a system. He never had a system of any sorts. He just had, like, I guess, guidelines that he wanted you to play under. And he, he let us be creative. The, cre- the creativity that he let his players have was why the guy was so goddamn successful and why people wanted to play for him. He never looked at a player and said, listen, you know, you want to be a, a goal-scoring uh, defenseman, Joe, but you suck. You don't. You're, you're a meat-and-potatoes guy. So play, you know, he never talked to people like that. He just... He just, it was just pass the puck, move the puck, you know, have fun, you know, and, and be boys. He treated us like men, but he still knew we were boys. But, but getting back to the story, you know, we get, we get off the bus in St. Mike's and my dad had never seen, you know, like Kilray comes on the bus. He's got, got six of his cronies with him that have nothing to do with the team. They come on the bus, they got fucking beers and, you know, and coolers, you know, they got kokanee, they got, I mean, you name it, they got it. They're fucking lighting up cigars. The whole the whole fucking bus looks like like a smokestack. And I, and me and my dad are looking at each other like, what the fuck? Like, what did we get into here? Like, we didn't know. You know, this is just old school OHL hockey. I mean, 
so anyway, we get off the bus in St. Mike's. I go get dressed for the game. I end up, I think I end up getting two assists and I score my first OHL goal. And it was a one timer from the point and Logan Couture, I believe, passed me the puck, who's now, uh, he's with, he's been with San Jose for a long time. Yep. So, and I just remember after the game, Brian Kilray came up and he said to my, to my dad, he goes, I think he said in front of the whole team, he goes, we're so pleased to have your son. He goes, we want, we'd like you to have the game puck. And I'll never forget it. My father, my father cried. And I'm telling you something, I, my father doesn't cry. So it was, um, it was a big moment. Um, just the way they treated my father and the whole, the whole experience. And they had one of the best trainers in the game. There's this guy named Brian Patassi, who's, he's was with the Calgary flames and he's been, you know, he's been all the way through. He's a, a medical trainer and he was with the organization and he, tr- he treated me really well there. And I mean, it was just, and the, the owner, uh, Mr. Hunt was just, just a, just a gentleman. Um, Got nothing but great things, uh, great things to say about the organization. And I got to play with a lot of great players there too that went on to have some, you know, really fine careers. So I was, uh, I was very fortunate and the fan base there was phenomenal. I mean, it was an NHL rink basically and, uh, it was very exciting and it was very, it was a different type of hockey that I hadn't seen before. And, you know, I, I, I thrived off of having a new beginning there and, bus trips in the OHL and going here, going there and, you know, going out on the road. I mean, shenanigans, I mean, you name it. It was, it was a different type of world for me, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, like you said, and then yeah, I mean, you point a game the first year there and, uh, you know, pretty much. And, uh, you know, now you have the, <coughs> pardon me, the added element in the course is, uh, the fighting, which obviously you can't do in college hockey. Um, how were you, how did you adapt to that? Did you enjoy it? Uh, did you like train for it at all? Did you, you know, or I guess you came out of college, so you weren't really training for it. But I mean, how did you adapt to the uh, to the physical side of it? Because there's some tough dudes rolling around the OHL at that time. Well, so I didn't know shit about fighting. I mean, I was like I said, I was a, a kid from Queens, New York. I, I I don't have thick forearms. I'm not a thick bone guy. I don't know. I really don't think I had any business being a part of hockey as far as my body was built, as far as the size. I mean, comparing to, you know, a Western Canadian boy that fucking bails hail when, you know, all summer and he's got fucking, you know, have you ever seen Bobby Nystrom's hands or Eric Nystrom's hands? Their hands are fucking gigantic. I, I don't have that. So, um, it's, you know, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a, it was hard because like I said, no one really taught me how to fight. You know, I, I got some training on how to fight when I was at the U S program and I, I had a few scraps then and stuff, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really know the technique, not like a Canadian boy knows. And when I got to the OHL, I had this great ability to just line guys up. I don't know what it was, uh, you know, like body checks. Like I could see a play develop, kind of read where the puck, the pass was going to go. And as the puck was coming to the guy, I could just fucking light them up. I just had that ability and I learned, and like we talked about earlier, you know, before we started this interview, you know, we talked about, you know, policing the game. I started to find out really fucking quick in the OHL that if I lit somebody up with a hit with their head down, that I was going to have somebody, somebody to answer to. And I, I, you know, I, 
kind of knew about, you know, kind of felt that a little in juniors, but not to this level. I mean, it, they, they train you in the OHL to, just to act like an NHLer. Like somebody hits a guy, boom, someone's dropping the gloves, fighting you, probably a tough guy. Yep. So the first few, I guess that year, I kind of took my lumps. I really didn't know how to fight. I mean, I tried to like square off and hang on and throw punches. And I was, I, I was, I'm left-handed. I'm a southpaw. So I didn't even, I just didn't really, I really didn't know anything. So I, I, I had a tough time, I guess, that year and a half I was in the OHL kind of adjusting because like I was on the power play, but I could also hit and play penalty kills. So I was like, I didn't want to get into fights because then I wouldn't get on the, and I want to be in the box and I wouldn't be in the power play, but I still like to hit. I mean, I, I think I remember, I mean, I think I caught one of the Nolan brothers, like Teddy Nolan's son. I mean, he just was coming up the ice with his head down and I just fucking creamed him like lights out. Like he was out on the ice and all hell broke loose. And I mean, there's always, like I said, they police the game. Um, and there was always hell to pay when you, you know, when you stepped up like that on somebody, but that's where I think, I really started to, to get the pro game because, like I said, we were on an 80-game schedule, too. Yep. You know, and the OHL is probably – the OHL, the WHL, the Quebec League is probably the closest you're going to get to pro hockey as far as, you know, the lingo just, – just the lingo with the coaches, the way things – the operations. Um, so it, it definitely prepared me. And then, you know, I think I had, like – 27 or 30 27 points in like 32 games that that last half se- that half season after I left college and and then I got picked you know I can't complain I mean I got picked up by the Islanders right after that so it that that was like a fucking dream come true in a way because it's like it's like being a New York Yankee it'd be like being a kid from New York playing for the New York Yankees you're a kid that grew up in the city in Long Island and now you're going to camp with the Islanders with the guys that you skate with in the summer so it was kind of, it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I was on well, the front, hey, let, you know, let, on the let, let's get into it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, 05, or the, I guess it'd be the 06, 07 season. Uh, that that fall, I guess you go into camp with the Islanders. Um, what would you? So did you go to the rookie games and you played in those? And I mean, what was the whole experience like? Honestly, I didn't go. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get asked to go to any of those rookie rookie games in like Traverse City or any of those places. Like, no, oh, you just went right to main camp. I, they, I went right to main camp. They they asked me to come right to main camp. I, I think they might have seen me play in the O that year. And you got to remember, you know, growing up on Long Island, I was skating in a lot of the Islander skates in the summer. So maybe they knew my name. I'm not really sure. I had the. I had the right credentials as far as playing for Team USA and you know and stuff like that. But yeah, I got invited right to the main camp. So, so who's coaching the I team? Who's coaching summer, the team at this time? Teddy Nolan was t- took over as head coach. It was coaching this fall, that year. Okay, and Gar- so and I was Gar- really pumped. I was really Gar- and, Snow's yeah, a GM, Gar- right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fucking te- fucking terrible GM. Terrible. Well, yeah, <laughs> by the way. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Nobody will be arguing with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not going to get blowback on Twitter about that one, right? No, I don't think so. No, everyone's <laughs> nodding their head that's listening to it right now. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so what well, I how, well, how was Ted, like Ted Nolan? There's another kind of a legendary coach. What was he like? I like Teddy. Um, you know, I was really excited to play for Teddy because my junior B coach. Um, that I had told you about, Dan Marshall. 
he was not only a junior B coach, but he was like um, head of player development for the Islanders. So when the time that I was about the time that I signed with the Islanders, my junior B coach also signed a contract to be the AHL coach in Bridgeport. So I'm like, this is fucking great. And the AHL coach in Bridgeport, the guy, Dan Marshall grew up or played or somehow Tim and Teddy, no one knew each other. So I'm like, this is great. I'm like, I got two, they're both from the Sioux. I'm like, so I got two Sioux boys that are just fucking, you know, meat and potato guys that will fucking, they'll fight with you in a back, you know, they'll fight for you in a back alley type of mentality. I'm like, that's the type of guys I want to play for. I don't get along with those prima donna coaches or I get along with the rough, tough, old Canadian, you know, Canadian style hockey coaches. So I was really thrilled about it. And, you know, I honestly didn't know much about Teddy's background, nor did I, nor did I care. I know there's, I think I found out later on that some things had happened in Buffalo or, or wherever he was. I'm not really sure. Um, but um, seemed like a great guy. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't stay with them too, too long. So I didn't feel like I, I spent a whole year with them. But from what I know, he seemed like a, a great guy. He didn't, he didn't bust the players' balls. He treated, he treated every, you know, everybody like a pro. And, well, how, you know, how, were, uh, how were the vets to you? Who was around there at that time? Oh, fuck. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll go back to, so what I did was, it's like, okay, I said, I knew that a lot of the guys from the Islanders, they, they stay on the island in the summer and they train. And they, uh, they trained at this, at this rink in Syosset, New York. It was called Iceworks. So once I signed, they knew. Did you just crack a beer? I did. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're on my page. I just I got a Peroni in my head. So, so, yeah, so I started working out with the Islanders trainer and working out with all the guys. So, like, I, I, had, wor- I had been working out with everybody for, you know, 90 days before I went to camp. So, you know, I, during that year we had – or they had uh, they had Rick DiPietro, um, who signed a fucking massive contract that year. Like, was it like sixty four million? Oh yeah, for, for forty oh, a lot oh, for a long I time. I think, million. I think they're still paying them. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, they got fucking hosed. I'll tell you what. You know, the beer that I'm drinking right now, I'm going to drink that for Ricky because you know he pulled off a really yeah a really sweet move there, and you know <laughs> I remember kind of all that kind of just hearing about things at the rink as things were like going down because he um prior to that like this asian gentleman named charles wang owned the islanders yep he was this big computer guru guy from japan whatever he bought the islanders and his daughter was fucking obsessed with ricky like she was like she, she wanted to be ricky's puck slut i mean basically i mean i don't know something like that so ricky and Garth Snow would be going over to fucking to Wang's house like I don't know once every couple of weeks or I don't know once I don't even know how much but pretty often for dinner. So this was something that was in the works, you know, for a while, and that's kind of I think how Garth became GM. And you know, like I said, I don't think the owner of the team really knew much about hockey, uh, considering his background. But I mean, we had I'm trying to think who we had on the team uh, who was there. We had we had Bates. Bates was on the team. We had Jason Blake. We had Chris Simon. We had Alexei Zitnik, who oh, was hey. my roommate, by the way. Which, uh, <laughs> which I got a story. I got stories about him, which is fucking hilarious. Well, yeah, well, um, yeah. How was he? <laughs> oh, well. So, okay. So he's like at the time. I don't know. He looked like fucking. He was fifty years old. He was like forty, 
And he was at the end of his career, and he was on the Islanders, and they put us, we were rooming together on the road. And I just come in the room. He's got the, he's, he's in the shitter. He's just taking a shit. He's got the door open. He's got the fucking newspaper out. And he's just smoking cigarettes, just on the shitter, like no big deal. I, I had never seen it. Never seen, I had never seen a player smoke cigarettes before, number one. And I didn't smoke cigarettes. I mean, shit, I don't even think I really, I was a square when I was younger. Like, I didn't drink beer. I didn't smoke pot. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I think I put a couple lips of tobacco, you know, tobacco in and I fucking puked. I mean, that's as far as I think my tobacco chewing went. But, so I walk in and I'm like, I got this veteran guy, like, just smoking darts on the toilet bowl. And like, you know, at, at the time, which I thought was really weird, they, they didn't have camp in New York. They had camp up in Nova Scotia, in Yarmouth, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, which I've never been. So, um, but yeah, so we, we flew up there for camp. So I, he was my roommate um, during exhibition and, uh, and during camp. So, um, but yeah, I'm just trying to think who else. Do you, have, do you have any names off the top of your head that were on that team? I'm just trying to think. Uh, you had that big forward Hunter was his last name. I think it was Trent Hunter. Trent Hunter, yeah. You, uh, well, what was Simon uh, like? Like, there's a scary dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, yeah. He's he was a, he definitely was a scary dude. Um, I just read the article. I, I don't know if it was in the last couple of years or last year. I, I heard he's having having some some issues. But yeah, I know. I we had went to camp, and I just remember like you know talking with Kilray and just talking with older coaches I play with, and they're like, listen, you know, when you go to camp, they were just and I just I knew this too. You know, go up there and make a name for yourself. Like, go up there and it's like, just give it everything you got. You know, if someone asks you to fight, you fight. Even if they kick the shit out of you, like, you know, hit every hit everything that moves. Just do whatever you can. Just get on the score sheet. Like, my goal was be on the score sheet every night. Okay, just get on a score sheet. Whether that's be take a penalty, fucking hit a guy, fight a guy, whatever. Just get, you know, I should say score a goal or assist, but I knew that I don't know if that was likely going to happen, but so that was, uh, that was, that was the plan. And so the, the first we're playing, a, we're playing a bunch of inner squad, uh, you know, inner squad games and Jason Blake took a pass, like with his head down and I just was come cruising through and I just dropped my shoulder and I literally like flipped him in the air. I'm like, and I know it's like Jason Blake, right. Who hits the little guy. But I was like, I didn't give, I didn't, I didn't give a fuck who the guy was at the time. And I was skating with him all summer and I thought he was, uh, I honestly thought he was a fucking whiny bitch the whole fucking time. So it didn't really matter to me, but you know, I was a veteran. I was a, he was a veteran guy and I wasn't. So anyway, he gets up, he wants to be all tough. So we, so I dropped the gloves and ended up beating the shit out of him at a camp. And I kind of was like, eh, this is probably not going to go over, you know, too well for me. And I saw all the old, like all the veteran guys were kind of pissed. And so, yeah, so that kind of went down, and and you know, Aaron Asham was fucking jabbing at me. I was gonna say Asham, Asham, and Brandon Witter there—they're uh, not gonna take that yeah. shit. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, Asham's like this fucking wild Indian, you know, who fucking doesn't work out, and you know, I think he get, I think he got a knife pulled on him in camp or some shit. I don't know. He's just another fucking whack, wackadoodle guy. So he's fucking jabbing at me the whole time, and I'm like, I'm literally. So, you know, you got to understand, like, a year and a half ago, eight months ago, I'm sitting on a bus with, like, 16, 17-year-olds, you know, 
you know, guys who fucking, I don't even know if they got laid yet, you know, some of them. And I'm watching these guys on TV and now I'm with these guys and I'm kind of like, it's kind of pretty, in a way it's kind of surreal, right? Because well, yeah, I think it's, it is, it, it's, it's definitely surreal, but I really try to like knock it out of my head and say, you know what? Act, you know, act as if, act as if you've been here before. Don't act like a fucking rookie, you know, like, and I, I was always good at elevating my game when I, if I ever felt like a little bit out of place, I was able to just kind of elevate my game just a little bit and it made me a better player. Um, I definitely had to step up my game when I, you know, when I, when I got to camp there, I don't think I did as well as I should have. Um, but yeah, Ashton was just fucking bitching at me. And then we had a line change. I mean, I think it might've been a period and a half later. We had a fucking line change and he just comes across like as he's passing me and he, he cross checks me, but he cross checks me like right on the creases of my arms. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Fucking just gets me in there and it fucking stung. (laughs) And then next thing you know, fucking gloves off, helmet off, stick off. But the little thing that he didn't know is that I worked on fucking fighting all summer. I went, I had a Muay Thai coach, I had a boxing coach, and I was like, I'm not going to fucking get, I'm not going to get myself, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I just, I was tired of like, it was, it's not that I wasn't tough, it's just I didn't fucking know how to fight. No one taught me like where to grab, nobody taught me how to grapple, how to maneuver, like, I didn't even know being a lefty was a fucking advantage until like, you know, the next year when I played for Steve Martinson. So anyway... Ashton doesn't fucking know me from Adam. Thinks I'm this young punk and he's probably thinks he's going to steamroll me. So we square off and I just came in, I just came in lefty and I got a hold of him and he wasn't ready. And I threw a left, I threw a left punch and it buckled him and he just went down. He just went down on his knees and they broke it up. So I got, so I got, I got lucky, but also now I've pissed off everybody now. Now, now I'm like, like, everybody's pissed off because now it's like, Ashton's like, fuck, like, who's this kid? I just got punched by this kid. Then you got Brendan Witt and Simon being like, we got to fuck this kid up. Like, like yeah. we got to shut this kid up because now, like, I mean, I, I don't, not that their jobs are in jeopardy. I mean, I, was, I, didn't take, I wasn't taking anybody's job away from them. But, you know, it just kind of goes that, like, usually veterans kind of cruise through camp sometimes and the, the coaches kind of want them to kind of go hard. So, believe it or not, you know, I... So all this things going on, like there's, yeah, I'm talking to the press after the, the games and I'm on the front page of the newspaper in, in New York. And, you know, when your friends are sending you pictures and you're, you're on the front of the newspaper and Shanahan's on the other side, it's kind of like, oh, fuck, this, this dream could come reality, you know, if I keep working hard. So anyway, we have dinner that night. But, okay, so I want to tell you how embarrassing the New York Islanders are, okay? I don't mind shitting on them a little bit. So usually when you go to camp, you get like, you get fucking per diem, you know, they give you like whatever it is per day or for the week. So when we got to camp, they were so cheap, they gave us food stamps. So we had these stamps and we could go around like downtown Yarmouth and the, the, they would take the stamps as like payment. So we couldn't, we didn't even get money for food. It was really weird. I mean, I was like, but Hey, I didn't, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know any better because I didn't, I haven't really gone that many that many places. So I was like, I was just happy to fucking be there. Um, so anyway, that night we all went out, everybody went out to dinner as a team or whatever. And, 
we used our food stamps and we're walking all walking back to the hotel so who fucking comes on the left of me Chris Simon comes on the left of me puts his right arm around me fucking Brendan Witt comes on the right side of me puts his left arm around me and they fucking basically give me like they read me the riot act like they tell me like okay like this this and this has gone down and now this this and this is gonna happen and they're like you're gonna fight one of us it, it, it has to happen and it's gonna happen so I'm like so literally I'm not I, I, shit, I almost shit my pants like I didn't shit my pants but I metaphorically shit my pants I uh, I don't blame you got back to the hotel those are two large humans <laughs> I've met with that guy's a building with arms yeah I could imagine uh, yeah that, he's a fucking weirdo too man he's like he's all about like the nature and the earth oh, yeah. like yeah. he takes a fucking Ford 250 diesel and he transforms it that it runs off a of off of olive oil or cooking oil, like he's got like all pets and all types of shit. Oh, dude lives. I mean, in the, dude lives I was, in the mountains of Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, these guys come up next to me, and I'm like, you gotta understand, like I'm not like a big guy. Like I said, I'm like five ten and a half, five eleven on a good day, but I was solid back then. I was like thick. But these guys were like, I mean, how fucking tall is Chris Simon? Six four, six five. Yeah, thick. Yeah. And wits about you know, wit. Yeah. 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 It's like, so anyway, I get back to the hotel. I open the door, cloud of smoke in the room, look to the right, Zhitnik taking a shit, smoking a cigar, smoking a cigarette. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, this is like, so I get on the phone. Well, actually, before I got on the phone, I fucking, I'm talking to him while he's on the shitter. Like, this is just like, it gets getting as awkward as it can get. And we start talking and he's like, listen, he's like, He's like, you really, he's like talking in his Russian accent. He's like, you really pissed them off. And I was like, yeah, hey, I know. I was like, they, they told me they're going to fight me. And he was like, you know, we just started like talking. He's like, dude, that's like, that's no joke. Like, those, like, like Simon's fucking tough. Like, we're just, anyway, so I get on the phone. I call my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm like, I'm like, I got into, you know, I got into two, I got into two fights today. He's like, what? He goes, who'd you fight? I think I fought, uh, I fought Asham and I fought Blake. And he asked me how it went, and I told him whatever, and I told him what was going to happen. He's like, all right. He goes, well, he goes, just, just stay away from them. You know, stay away from the ice, play your game. You know, just uh, just try to, you know, you, didn't really, you know, there's not much to say. I mean, it's just like you're there, you know, you're getting your, you're getting your dream shot, you know. It's like, it's like in the movie Top Gun. It's like you get, you're getting your dream shot. So anyway, it's like, I can't remember when it happened, but we had practices and then we had like another game. And so fucking Simon is breaking up. He's coming up the, he's coming up the left side of the ice and he's just busting up the wing, gets a pass at like the red line, hits the blue line, but he starts to, instead of going wide, he kind of cuts, cuts through the slot. And as soon as he cut through the slot, instead of me like backing off, I took like three strides and I said, I said, I said to myself, I said, if I hit him solid, I'm probably going to bounce off him. And I kind of like, kind of jumped into him just a little, not jump, but I kind of like lifted myself just a little and I fucking hit him and he fucking fell over. I went flying. He slid right into DiPietro, fucking right into the net, took the net off. And literally I saw 
like, I thought Satan fucking got up. I thought Satan got up and was coming at me with a pitchfork. He fucking got up, takes two strides at me, fucking baseball bats his stick like three times back and forth, misses my fucking head, and then just drops the gloves. And he beat the fucking ever-living shit out of me. Like, I had a bloody nose. All I remember is that he threw like three, four punches, boom, bloody nose, fight over. I'm on the fucking bench. I'm like, in a way, I'm like, I'm upset, but I'm like, I'm like happy. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I fucking just fought Chris Simon. I'm like, this is like, you know, I showed up to the battle. You, you did your job. Nobody's expecting you to beat up Chris Simon. Because if you're beating up Chris Simon, you're in the NHL. Yep. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, I glad to got that. I'm like, I got it over with. Right. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, you know, like Brendan Witt's next. Like, I'm like, when the fuck is that going to happen? So I'm like, anyway, I'm on the bench. They're plugging up my fucking nose, <coughs> plugging it up. I got, I got these white things up my nose. It looked like I had cocaine in my nose. And all of a sudden I'm back on the ice. I, I get off. It's a line change during the game. And this, I'm said, I said, fuck it. I said, I'm going to keep going. Another guy takes a pass, and I catch him with his head down, an AHL guy, and I just fucking obliterate him. And then, um, yeah, it ended up Wit, Wit didn't come after me. Um, but that was, my, that, was my New York, uh, that was my New York hot minute. And I don't know. I don't think I would have did it any other way. It would have been nice if I scored a goal or something, you know? Um, I got to play, I think I played against Boston in some exhibition games that year. Um, but I think the NHL camp part was like very surreal for me because it was these guys that I would watch on the ice in the summertime or I'd watch them in August and September on the ice. Or maybe I'd skate with Chara here and there, but next thing you know, I'm in, I'm in camp with these guys. So it was, it was a super cool experience. I mean, I'm glad I got to, that I got to do that. I, I wish it was with, kind of wish it was with a different organization, you know, maybe like the Rangers or Detroit or somebody where there's some, you know, a lot of, like a big history there, you know, super character guys. I mean, you hear like Avery stories, you know, when he was with those, you know, those NHL guys. I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I was a few years older and came up a little bit earlier and really got to see some of the old time guys. But I think I caught the end of the last real tough guy regime and, now yeah. everybody's just soft as puppy sh- puppy shit, in my opinion. But well, so you go back no. to you go back to Ottawa. But before that, how were the Islanders with you? And did they make any promises to you, or what happened? Um. So, so we were taking a private charter home. I think after the Boston game, I can't remember. I think it was after the Boston game, and Gar Snow calls me up to the front of the front of the plane, and at this point, everybody's kind of. I think everybody's kind of like getting happy with me now because now I'm not taking it out on them. You know, now we're, we're playing games and it's, we're, we're starting to beat up on the other, trying to beat up on the other team. So, you know, DPH would be giving me shit a little and, you know, they're joking around with me, the guys. So it was starting to get, it was getting better. Right. So, um, but anyway, well, I was, I was going to say, how was Simon T after the fight? Like at this point, what's he like with you? You know, I don't remember. To be honest, like, well, if you don't remember, I, I guess I, I it know, could have I, been that I, bad. No, then, no, I <laughs> no, no, no. I was just saying, I, I, I saw him in the rink after that. I mean, I think, you know, we we're I, I, I was always taught the mentality that you keep the, you know, what happens on the ice stays on the ice, and then you're like a gentleman off the ice. So, um, 
yeah, we never had any uh, never any issues or anything like that, or we just kind of, you know, just let it go. I mean, and at the time, like that was great for me. I didn't want any more problems, you know, more problems with with fucking him. I mean, I don't need that guy going native on me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but um, yeah, so they called me up to the they called me up to the front of the plane, and they told me that they were gonna be signing me to a three-year entry-level contract and I'd be starting the year in Bridgeport. And they said that, you know, we're not going to make you play the rest of the exhibition games. We're going to send you right to Bridgeport. So they mailed my fucking bag, my hockey bag to Bridgeport, my clothes bag to Bridgeport, and I was just flying into Long Island and then we had like a couple days off. So I stayed, I stayed at my, um, I'm staying with a family friend when I was out there. Uh, and, and like two days later, I get called in the office, and they basically said that they they said, "Listen, you know, we 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 changed our decision. We're uh, we're going to be sending you back to Ottawa. You know, Brian Pillory really wants to have you back. We think this is you know the best choice for us, the best choice for you. Blah 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 blah. But you know what they didn't know is you just told a guy that just you know waited his whole fucking life to get this opportunity, and he just went and blabbed to all his friends and." out drinking beers and out with all girls girls and it's just it's actually really embarrassing in a way because you know i was i had told you know you know that's the first thing and you know, i called everybody i called everybody well, i that was obviously important, yeah if a team tells you that why would you think they wouldn't do it you know like of course everybody would do that yeah and and at the time um i was i was i was repped by a really big agent um from octagon hockey um he's actually huge on twitter have you heard of the name alan walsh Huh. Yeah, him and I have gotten into it on Twitter a few times. Yeah, I know. Who yeah, you're so so, uh, so yeah, so Alan was my agent, and you know, so he calls me up. He's like, "Dude, what the fuck? I heard you're fighting everybody in, in camp. You fought Chris Simon." He goes, "What's wrong with you?" He goes, "You got to go in there and just kind of like not make waves." And I'm like, "Well, it's already done, you know." And but I guess I guess Garth Snow wasn't uh, too happy, you know, like that. I I guess I guess I didn't have a maybe it was lack of respect for the you know, for the veterans, I guess. And, you know, what is, what the fuck does he know? You know, he's a fucking goalie, like fucking embarrassing. That guy is, um, anyway, but you know, the, the whole part about it was, I just, I didn't really know any better. I just, just a young fucking dumb kid just trying to make a team. And that's the only way that I thought I knew how to, I didn't think I was going to make it as a goal scorer, you know, I, I wasn't going to make it as a goal scorer or a power play defenseman. I mean, they had Chris Campoli, who at the time was like doing really well. Um, who was the, who was the Russian forward that was there? Yashin. He like played an auto. Yeah, Yashin was there. Like I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna be. The only way I was making this team, or I was I was making one of the two teams, which I knew I was only gonna make. The, if anybody was gonna be Bridgeport, I said I'm gonna be a sixth or seventh defenseman, who better be scrappy as hell, solid in his own end, good first pass defenseman. Yep. You know, I wasn't going to be a power play guy. I got to block shots, and I got to fucking line people up and hit. That's the only way I was going to be sticking around. So I said, if that's the only way I'm going to stick around, because that well, not a lot of people like to do that. Believe it or not, there's not many people that everybody wants to be the goal scorer, the guy that gets the assist, everybody that looks pretty. Nobody wants to really, like, fucking muck it up. So, and as as everybody knows, the Islanders are... I mean, if I told, if I asked you what type of team the Islanders are, would you say they're kind of pansy-ish? They're kind of not not a tough team. I mean, what, what would you say their mo is? Well, yeah, pretty, well, I was going to say at that time though, when you're there, 
they actually had a kind of a tougher team. <coughs> yeah, well, that's because normally, that, no. that, that, that's because normally no, but that's because Teddy Nolan, exactly, you know, great Teddy Nolan was there, and he knows that you got to have a couple bruisers yeah. to, to kind of get shit done. Yeah, um, but you know, I knew I wasn't going. I knew that wasn't like I said. I really got to stand out in camp, so that was the only way that I th- that I thought at the time. Now I don't know if I would if I would do that again or not, but it was uh it was a hell of a story it was a hell of a story uh for me not many people know about it i mean it's I'm, I'm not like a big guy or anything but it was definitely uh an experience for sure well absolutely well so you go back to ottawa it's 0607 you know you play the full season uh you really start picking it up physically 185 pims um you know like you said Jamie McGinn and uh Logan Couture and and uh you know, after a, with a full season in the Ontario League, um, I know that was the year uh, Tavares really lit it up and playing against PK Subban. And uh, what was that like? I think he was like a 16 year old or a 17 year old. He was young when I was there, um, and he wasn't. Truthfully, he wasn't like. I believe he was. What team was he on? He was on Bel- um, Belleville. Yeah, he was on the Belleville Bulls. He wasn't like a big deal. Like he wasn't. He wasn't like a big standout. He was like a stay-at-home, like you know, kind of solid, solid D-man, um, quiet kid. Like, but kid fucking blew up, man. I mean, yeah, like he's a great, great player. To, what I like, he does does a lot for the communities. You know, he's. I think he talks about one of his episodes I watched once that it's like his father told him about like you know leaving a legacy and his legacy goes beyond hockey and you know. Uh, I like that. It's kind of he likes attention, and it's fucking that's awesome. You know, everybody has their niche, what they like, and uh, very you know. Send, I'm sending him positive vibes and happy for him. Um, well, I was just sort of looking at your team, and um, I mean, you led the team in penalty minutes. I mean, uh, just kind of going down here. I mean, you guys weren't certainly weren't an overly. Um, I wouldn't say you guys were a tough team. Did you? Um, did did you sort of take it upon yourself? I mean, uh, you know, when you're, you know, your well, fate, how how did that go? Like, well, well, basically, we didn't really have any tough guys on that team that year. Um, no. Like back in the day, they had like um, they had Bickle who played for Chicago Blackhawks. They had um, why can't I think of his fucking name? He played in Minnesota. A Stobitz, Brad Stobitz. They had so they had some. They had some predominant boys that were like Canadian boys that could fucking chuck them, you know? So we didn't really have anybody when I was there. So it was kind of fucked up because, you know, I'd be laying, I'd be laying guys out, you know? And then not only did I have to lay the guy, I had to play power play, I had to play penalty kill, I had to lay the guy out and I had to fight and I couldn't really fight. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a tough, se- it, it was, a, it was a tough, I felt, I felt it was a tough season. I was, I was frustrated that year. Um, I think mentally, I was mentally mind fucked a little bit. What happened uh, in Long Island, you know, with yeah. being sent back. I, I really, I really thought uh, I was going to go to the AHL that year, and but you know what, shit happens. Um, I don't know if I handled it the best way, like mentally in the beginning, I was a little bit down. But you know, I, I wasn't going back to a bad, you know, to a bad place, and I was getting. I got money to go there. I was getting paid as an overager. I mean, I made, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good experience at the time. Um, 
And like I said, I got to play for Brian Corey, which it was, I really think I got to develop. He, I think I developed with him because, because he allowed me to be creative. He, he didn't, he didn't say, Joe, you need to play this way. Joe, you need to do this. It was like, basically, he was just like, go out there guys, you know, pass. It was literally just like, we, we were just going out playing hockey the way it fucking should be. Yeah. We had some plays that we tried to do, but it was just like, you know, power play. They have four guys. We have five. Move the fucking puck, basically. It was just, and we had enough talent in the room that, you know, he didn't have to manage us. I mean, the guys that I played with, I mean, they were like fucking loose cannons, especially off the ice. I mean, Jamie McGinn was fucking out of control. I mean, fucking, I remember guys would be going out to the bar and then instead of going home after the bar, they would just go right to the rink and sleep in their car for two, three hours before practice. I mean, I, like I said, this was all new to me because I was kind of, you know, my dad was a cop. I, a New York City police officer. I grew up like in a strict household and, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really drinking. At the, I didn't really drink. I didn't, I didn't really fucking do anything. So I stepped into this atmosphere where it's like cigars on the bus, beers on the bus. We win, a, we go on the road, we steal two games. Coach puts a whole, you know, 50 beers on the bus. We're drinking on the way home, getting shit faced. Like I had never done this. Like, I don't even think, I don't even. I think if you did this today, you probably end, the coach probably end up in jail or fired. I mean, oh, I don't know sure. what the rules are, but it's 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 a it's a different world. So, yeah, we got through that year. I ended up uh, we lost to the Peter O'Pete in the first round, who ended up winning the league that year. And on Peterborough, I can't think of the guy's name. He's actually was a big NH had a big career in the NHL. He played for the Flyers. Um, Downey, you remember the name Downey? Steve Downey. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was there. There's some good players on that team. Um, it was a battle in playoffs, and then, you know, it ended, and I signed with, uh, after the year was over, I just, I ended up going back to uh, back to Omaha because that was, like, home base. My parents ended up, they were moving, they were living out there with my sister and went out there, trained for the summer, and then um, I signed with Rochester. Well, uh, yeah, so now, the fo- so now the following year you turned pro. At 2007-2008, this is a wild year. You play on six teams. So uh, yeah, I was. I'm what I'm what you call a fucking suitcase. Yeah, well, so like, like you said, you start in Rochester, and then like we got Albany and Fresno and Gwinnett and um, Elmira. I mean, I guess yeah. Well, okay. Well, you start in Rochester. Yeah, I, I start in Rochester. I played for a gentleman named uh, Randy Cunningham. Um, Cunningworth. That's when I, I, yeah, Cunningworth. Excuse me, not Cunningham. Cunningworth. That's where I had my first interaction um, with uh, Moraspi in Syracuse. <laughs> you know, um, fucking. God. I probably, I think visually, he was probably at the at that point in my hockey career. Visually, he was probably the scariest guy that I had come across, you know, and, you know, in the locker room, you hear fucking everybody talking story. It, it, it felt like Slapshot a little bit, like, oh, you know, he did this, he did that, da 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 I was he's, like, he's before you got in the ice, yeah, he was like the Oglethorpe, like, basically, you know, and it's like, and I think back then he had, like, some fucking mohawk, and it was dyed, and yep. he looked like a fucking, it was like a midget. Sonic the Hedgehog, but the guy that could kick your fucking ass. Yep. Like, just 
I did not, you know, I'll be honest. I did, I did not want any part of that back then. I was like, I just want to fucking try and make a team, get a paycheck, like get, get going here. Um, but yeah, I ended up going to camp with them. I started the, started the year with them. And what happened was there's a lot of politics that comes in the game. You know, they had a lot of guys signed to two ways that year. So they had guys down in Florida in the East coast league and on two ways. And you see this guy who comes in as a free agent and signs and he's playing, you know, a lot of agents were bitching. People were bitching. They're like, wait a second, you have guys on a two way. So they ended up in and put, sending me down to the coast. And they, uh, this guy, Steve Martinson would not stop ringing my phone. Like <laughs> he called me a couple of times. And like, I had no idea who this guy was. Um, and you know, to me, like, when I heard I had to go to the East coast league, I was like, they call it the easy come hard leave. Like you go there. It's like, you never, you can never get out almost. It's, uh, it's pretty, it was pretty difficult. And easy come back hard then, leave. I mean, that's a good one. I've never heard that before. Yeah. yeah you like that? Easy I come hard. Like leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should I should, I'm going to write a book about that. The easy come hard leave. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I thought of it. I thought it was a bruiser league. I thought it was, kind of back then i mean it was like borderline quebec league type shit um yeah so i get i get sent i get sent down to elmira and you should pull up the names that are on i got i got them right here well okay well okay okay. we're going to talk toughness here folks so here i'm going to throw these names all right well first of all you got throw these names out yeah well first of all martinson well there you go right there i mean legendary tough guy so he's the coach and now we got bobby robbins bruce watson Frank Littlejohn and Chaz Johnson. So you got some characters right there. Holy! Do you just look at that lineup? Look at that lineup, and then look at fucking how many Tims these fuckers had previous years. Oh yeah. It, it was like I got put. Like it, it was almost like I was in prison with these guys. These guys were fucking animals. I mean, you had, you know, Chaz Johnson who is like your typical, he's like your Ryan Reeves, but as a forward back then, big, black, strong, fucking fight anybody, can score, played in the Quebec League, he's French, he's got an attitude, you know, that guy would kick the shit out of anybody. He's actually a really good friend of mine. I mean, I'd say to this day, we haven't talked lately, but me and him always got along really well. Like, we, I mean, it was... If we were losing three to two, I mean, like, like, sorry, three to one or four to one going into the third at home, it was like you let the fucking dogs loose. It was fight night. Like, yep. it was like the fans are drinking beer, give them what they want. Yep. Give them, keep, make them come back. Red ice. So, I, yeah, I mean, fucking Bruce Watson was like probably one of the toughest guys in double A hockey that could actually fucking play. You know, he could actually play the fucking game. Like, he wasn't like a. You know, he wasn't a great player, but I mean, he he could he wasn't he was better than like a Chris Simon. Um, we had uh, Frank Littlejohn, who just I've never seen a guy fight like that. The guy could throw left, could go throw right. Not a big guy, fought everybody, just like a fucking legend. Well, he's a good you know, player too. A, good, great player could score. He could do it all: score, yep. get assists, pass, get around guys, fight, drink. Yep. You know. Broads. I mean, he, he knew everybody. He he was the fucking mayor in Elmira. We called him the fucking mayor. The guy went everywhere, knew everybody. The guy went to cities on the road. He knew everybody in this in every city. 
the guy was a fucking legend. I mean, I really, and then we had Bobby Robbins, who was just like this fucking animal. Like to me, he was, he, he was like somebody that would like lived in the wilderness, but decided to play hockey. The guy was just a fucking, he was a little wackadoodle. I got along with him really good. I mean, but I, I, I forget what nationality is, but he's, do you, do you know, I mean, have you seen, have you seen like a face shot of him? Like he's, yep, yep. I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's Indian. I'm not really sure what he is, but he's, he comes from a different descent and he's a big, just a big mama jamma. And one, another played college, I think at, at UMass or one of yep. those schools up there. And yep, UMass. He's from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. He's from, he's from Wisconsin. He, he could just, could just fight. He, and he, he was a, he was a, he was a second, third line winger that could score, that could kind of do it all. Um, but I didn't know he was going to take his game to the levels that he did. I mean, he, he became a nasty, fearless player, you know? So I had all these guys on my team. I mean, I just, I, I have memories in my head. I mean, I'd be sitting in the locker room, like looking around the fucking locker room. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, and then, you know, then they had me, which is like, I was like the level below those guys with toughness. Like, so once those guys got started, like getting crazy and getting in the box, then they, then that riled me up. And at that time, Steve Martinson taught me how to fight. I have to, and I'm not saying I'm a good fighter, but he taught me, he taught me what I needed to know. He taught me how to, you know, where to grab, where not to grab. He taught me how to use, you know, being lefty to my advantage. And I don't think, I don't think I really, like in my hockey career, I can't say that I really got, besides, I mean, before that, I can't really say I got pummeled. You know, I, I really was, he really taught me how to, how to use it to my advantage and not get hit. So I, I definitely have to to owe that to him. But yeah, we had a wild year. I mean, that was a year. Um, if any pro guys are listening, that they remember, there was a big bus crash that involved. We were, I don't know, we were on the road. I forget where we were going, and our bus driver fucking fell asleep, and we had a full bus, and we crashed. And I mean, it was like mayhem. We had. Guys broke their ankles, guys' knees were fucked up, people went through glass windows, the bus driver lost his leg and had his, he had his balls chopped off. I mean, it was like, it was some crazy shit. I mean, I think, I think the bus even caught on fire. I, I don't remember the, I mean, it was a while ago, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy year between the traveling and different teams, the bus crash. I mean, it was, uh, it, it, it sounds about right for, uh, East Coast Hockey League hockey is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, uh, I know I was going to ask you, though, you're in the, you played four games with Peoria that year. Um, I played, I played, I played in report, in, uh, Peoria with Ryan Reeves. That was going to be my question. How, uh, of course, he's the noted heavyweight champion of the NHL these days. <coughs> how was Revo back then? You know, it's funny how times change, you know, because back then he was like, I was a rookie. I think he was a rookie. They like they used to. Everybody used to rag on him in the room. They all used to like make fun of him and break his break his balls and break his chops. And he wasn't like nowhere near obviously where he is you know today. And I commend that you know he's you know came in there as a rookie, worked his way all the way up, and now you know he's at the level that he's at, which is absolutely. Listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that like like to see guys do bad. You know, it's like I get the grind. I've been through the grind. I, I fucking was in the trenches and. You know, some guys get luckier than others based off of hard work or, or, or just being at the right right place at the right time. And, yep. you know, he's 
worked his way through the ranks. So I, I got to tip my hat off to him for sure. Um, we had another guy on that team. Well, actually, we had a couple guys on that team. We had team. Hans Benson so, and Eric Nielsen. And, yeah. yeah, so I was living in the hotel at the time uh, with Eric Nielsen. And, you know, what? he was just like your quiet, just your quiet, just a quiet dude, you know, that could fight, did everybody, did what the coaches asked of him. He was a super nice guy. Like, when I came there, like, showed me where everything was, you know, kind of took me under his wing a little bit. Um Got nothing. Got nothing but great things to say uh, for Neely. Um, he, I think he had a pretty good career. I think he ended up playing in Alaska in the coast for a long time, right? Yep. If I'm correct. Yeah, he was. And over, then we had a guy. Yeah, he was over in the UK, and uh, you know he played in the America with Syracuse for a couple of years, and yep. He's uh, he's coaching then, uh, the Acadia uh, Bathurst in the uh, Quebec League now. Oh, nice, nice, good for him. Yeah, it, I don't keep up with as much as I should these days. And then we had, then we had this Looney Tunes, this fucking Looney Tunes guy, Hans Benson. Yep. Like, like, like he was, he could, he could fucking chuck him. Like, I mean, yep. it wasn't like a scary dude, but it, it wasn't a guy that you. It, I, I put it this way: I wouldn't want this guy dumping the puck in my corner, you know, all fucking night long. That's for sure. I didn't want that. I didn't want that guy around me, but um, but he was like your fucking, you know, your party animal. Fucking play hard, go out hard, play hard, you know, uh, type of stuff. So, but yeah, no, Pierre was good. I got my first my first point in the uh, in the AHL there, and I got to finish the season. We I finished the season in Peoria, um, so that was nice. You know, it was just. Uh, it would have been nice to stay with one club, you know. I don't, I don't think they should really allow that shit to go on when you could play on possibly fucking six teams in a year. I mean, that's it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I, I drove from New York out to Fresno, or sorry, uh, I drove from Omaha to, to upstate New York to Rochester to fucking Elmira, then out to Fresno, and then Fresno to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Peoria. It was just like it was ridiculous, you know. I think, you know. Development-wise, is even though the it's pro hockey, they should say, "Listen, you know, like you can only do so much because you know it's tough, you know, and it's tough like getting bounced around like that. You don't really feel like you have a home, and you're coming into new situations, and people are they have to judge you. They're judging you because they want to know if they want to keep you, what they want to do. Do you fit into their plan? Um, you know, so many. I mean, when I went, I went out to go to play for Fresno in the coast, and first time i ever been to fucking california and i was like i thought i was going to fucking la i didn't know where the fuck i was going like i'm going to california i was like fucking bring a nice clothes with me i get to fucking fresno and it's a fucking armpit like just the armpit of the fucking world it's like the worst place i had ever played I, I was like i literally got there i was there for like a month i called my agent i was like get me the fuck out of here i was like this place sucks like but but i will tell you the hockey Back then, the hockey on the West Coast, as far as in that league, was way better. You know, you had players that that were older that realized that where their careers they, they they had came to terms with their careers that the NHL dream was gone, and they just wanted to play their career out in a nice little town where they could be a big fish in a small pond, get paid pretty decent, have a second job, you know, and kind of just live that small pro life. Um, so we, we, there was a lot of skilled guys like on those Western teams out that way, as opposed to the, you had the kind of more younger, 
you know, guys that were trying to make it more on the on the East Coast side, like close to the AHL teams, you know, trying to get called up on a regular basis. Yep, yep. Well, so the next so, year, so the next year you start in Cincinnati, right? And yeah, I started Cincinnati. You only Cincinnati played like three games, and, I got, and then you go to Elmira. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got I got fired from Cincinnati. Uh, I, I got I basically got fired. Um, somebody uh, we got into an altercation on the boards, and I somehow I ended up with somebody's stick. I don't fucking know. Well, instead of giving it back to the guy, I fucking launched it over the glass. <laughs> into the stands. So that didn't fucking go over too well. I don't, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Uh, but I, I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, I got, I got let go from Cincinnati and, you know, of course, Steve Martinson comes knocking on my door. He's like, Hey, why don't you come, come back over here? You know? And like, of course it was like pretty much all the same guys from the year before, but then you had another, then you had this other guy added named Caleb Betts. So this guy was just a fucking truck, another Western BC boy. I mean, literally, I, I don't know how these teams played against us. And then on that year, we also had Mike Scroy, yep. who is, that guy is like the real deal. Mike Scroy had his own fucking, you know, his own world, who actually is one of my, probably one of my better friends that I've played with over the years. Um, I actually talked to him. We texted the other day um, because I think he was on, was he on your show or who's he was on somebody's show he was recently. on Alex's show fire for fighting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was, so I, I, I had, I had listened, I had listened to him uh, a little bit there and I just kind of was just giving him a little shit, but fucking guys down in Florida, he's just teaching kids how to just fight and destroy people. That's his world. He's just, just keeping that going. So, um, yeah, we had a, we had, I had a wild time, you know, and I started to get into, you know, I started partying that year, you know, I started to kind of, I, you know, I was really like, I guess I was really stiff, you know, growing up for a while. I was like, you know, just trying to play it by the book and not really enjoying myself, you know, along the ride. Right. It's like you could be on the ride. And when you want to look back at it, you want to say, fuck, man, I had I had a good time. I had fun. Like, not only did I like work my ass off, but it was it was it was it was really fun. And I started going out and, you know, and partying more. You know, we got in trouble on the road and. You know, I was hanging around Frank Littlejohn, and he knew every bar in every town because he had been playing in the, in the league for so long. I mean, it, it was literally like a modern-day slap shot type of deal a little bit um, well, when I played on those teams. I was going to ask you, speaking of slap shot, you play against the Johntown Chiefs. What was it like, what was it like to yeah. go into the old War Memorial and the history in that place? Literally, it felt like the fucking movie. Like, it's yep. no joke. Like, yep. the locker room's fucking awful. You know, the fucking rink's awful. The fans are awful. They look awful. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just, you know, I was just like, you know, you got to understand, like, most hockey players, you know, we all have an ego. I mean, everybody has an ego, but, I mean, pro athletes have egos, and I have an ego. I mean, I had an ego for sure. And I said to myself, I said, this is what my life's fucking coming to. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm playing at the world championships, winning a silver medal. You know, I'm, I get a cup of coffee, like in the NHL kind of sort of speak. And now I'm playing at the fucking war memorial in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, but you know, you, you, you adapt, you go with it. You know, it was, I'll tell you what, they always had like, they had like tough teams in there, but yeah, it was like, 
you would you would go to step off the bench onto the ice and it'd be like a fucking foot and a half drop. Yeah, yeah. you know, like the first time. So the first time I fucking I, I I went to go go onto the ice, I just literally wholesaled it, fell all over the fucking place, and you know when you're getting off the ice, the boards are really high, like. It was just a fucking tobacco, you know, but, uh, I started to, I used to watch, it's funny, you know, when I was that year, I used to fuck around and just watch, I used to turn on Slapshot like once a week and just watch it and be like, this is my fucking life. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, we're all living in shithole fucking shithole fucking homes in the fucking city. I mean, Elmira is a fucking prison town just for all you listeners out there. It's, it's a prison town. So that means that all the shitty people that are in prison, well, all the, the families live up there to be near the prison. So we're in this prison town. I mean, it was just like, next thing you know, we get an alert. You know, the, there, was a, there was a massive breakout in the prison, and all these guys, they, they tied a bunch of sheep together and broke out and climbed down one side of the prison, and they're all loose in the town. I mean, literally, it, those were years that I probably would never forget. So, I mean, it was a, it was a great time. I mean, we, ha- we haven't even talked about Steve Martinson yet. I mean, she... I mean, you. We, we, there was so much going on. I mean, talk about playing for that guy. Well, I mean, I mean he's been uh, real successful in the minors. I mean, he's had a great coaching career uh, in terms of success. Well, well, we'll get into it. What was he like? Well, you know, at that point, he had just won a championship in the United Hockey League with the Rockford IceHogs. Yeah. So if you go through that, if you go through that roster. I mean, he had guys like Robin Big Snake. I mean, he had fucking legit wackos on his team. And he brought those guys over to Elmira, like the core group. I mean, fuck, he even brought Bill. Have you heard of the name Billy Tibbetts? Of course, yeah. He brought fucking Billy Tibbetts in, like, one year, like, for, like, I was, like, literally, I mean, I, I was surrounded by guys that were, you know, borderline belonged in prison. I mean, I mean, let's, let's, be, I mean, let's be, Let's be real. If these guys pulled any of that shit off the ice, they'd be in prison. I mean, and I think Robin Big Snake went to prison. Um, but so, yeah, no, it was uh, that was a, a crazy year. But Martinson, man, he's just a hard nosed in your face. Mother fuck you. You know, borderline beat the shit out of you type of coach. I mean, me and him used to have like heated, heated, argu- heated arguments, battles. I mean. He like fucking threw me around the like threw me into the glass on the bench, threw me down on the bench one time. I mean, you know, he'd drink his beers on the bus and have his Flintstone vitamins and pass out. I mean, he was a he was a, he was. I'll tell you what though, he's a great coach. I mean, the guy the guy knows how to put a team together. I mean, if you look at his track record, I think he's got like I think if he put his hand out. He's got a ring for every finger. Yeah, he's got. Five, I think he's got like five or six rings or something stupid like that. Oh, he was um, huge in San Diego I, in the old West Coast League and shit. They won all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. He played for the San Diego Gulls. So this, you got to remember this. This guy was like a, you know, not being like weird or anything. He's a he's a he was a good looking guy. If you look at pictures of him from when he was younger, he's a good looking dude. So you got this good looking guy, six three, six four. You know, that can fight, jacked, living in San Diego, you know, hanging out with all these blonde bombshells. I mean, you got to see the guy's wife. I mean, back then, I mean, his wife is fucking gorgeous, you know. Just the, you know, so he, and not only that, the guy could fight. I mean, if you watch some of the videos, like, of him, oh, yeah. I mean, 
So this one video. In one his video. Days. He's a tough dude. Yeah. Yeah, this one video of him, he's like, he's talking shit over the glass. Like, two pen, back in the day, the penalty boxes, you know, you could, like, <laughs> talk shit to the guy on the other side. So he's talking shit with the guy. And then, uh, I don't know if he threw the water, he threw a water bottle either at the guy and hit the guy, or the guy threw the water bottle at him. But he fucking jumped. He jumped over the glass and, like, wedged himself into the fucking scorer's box goes down and then he's just brawling with the guy in the box and that's like my favorite Steve Martinson you know well, video of all time you it's know? Sean Antosky yep I know it well yep yeah 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 just fucking you know just like old. so this guy's like old school old school hockey type shit so I just tend to get along with guys like this better you know I didn't I didn't get along with like a, so like in Cincinnati you had this guy named Chuck Weber and he was a coach there and like he so I got a guy that's coaching me in the ECHL the guy's never played college hockey. The guy's never played pro hockey. But then the guy's trying to tell us all what to do. It's like, how the fuck do you respect this guy? Like, how do you how do you, how do you listen to this guy? The guy the guy has no fucking idea what it's like to have your body to play fucking, you know, three games in four nights. You know, and the guy was an absolute fucking dweeb in my in my opinion. Um, so, but yeah, so to play for a guy like Steve Martins. Martinson is actually like rewarding. You got a guy that, you know, he was in the trenches. He's been there. He's done it all. He's done everything that you've done times three. Yep. So, um, totally would love to be his assistant coach one day because you know if you're an assistant coach with that guy, you know, you're going to win a championship. I mean, I'm surprised he's not coaching in the AHL already. It, maybe he is. I don't know. But I, I don't. Do you know if he is? I will. I got Hockey DB open. I will see. Um, but, uh, no, he's still an Allen. I yeah, think. so he's been an Allen for a long. He's time. He's been an Allen. Yeah, he's been an Allen. Well, they won four, yeah, cha- they so, won four uh, championships in a row. Uh, actually, they didn't make the playoffs last year. He had a bad year. That was his, I think that was the first time ever he didn't make the playoffs last year. Huh? You know, and then I, and then you could do some research, and I bet you some older people will know this name. So I had Steve Martinson as the head coach, and then we had Robbie Nichols as oh. the GM, and Robbie we used, to, we used to call him Shady Nichols. Because he was like, this guy was the shade of the shade, like, in the East Coast Hockey League. Like, the guy would, like, he would, like, raffle. He, he, so we do jersey raffles, because that's how teams kind of, like, in these days, in the ECHL and stuff, teams don't have a lot of money. So they got to try to generate a lot of money. Anything they can do, they sell raffle tickets for jerseys. Oh, yeah. Gimmicks, so, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So he would, so what he would do is, they would fucking raffle off a jersey that we'd all sign, right? They take our poor bastards and our poor bastards' signatures, and they'd raffle off a jersey, right, to the whole fucking crowd in Elmira, like maybe like five thousand fans, but but nobody would win the jersey. So then they raffled the same jersey off the next night, and then somebody would win the jersey. So that means they raffled off the jersey the first night. They made all that money on tickets, but then the, the, the winning ticker to hold somebody had the winning ticket. You know what I'm saying? So oh, I get. Like, oh, they got. Tr- they got Tremendous! Yeah. How carny! I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just the cheapest hockey gear that we could use. We had, we had just it was just everything was just fucking cheap. I mean, to the hotels we stayed in. I mean, it was it was straight fucking slap shot shit. I mean, it was. But I embraced it. I had a good time. Wouldn't have changed it for a world. My first fucking apartment in pro hockey. There, my floor was like on a fucking. I don't know, a 15 degree angle going down. My, my whole floor was sloped. I mean, it didn't get any, it, it, 
it was a great experience. I, I'd do it again for sure, for sure. Well, there you so, go. I know one of the guys. That, well, before we get away from Elmira, um, one of the your teammates there in 2009, 2010, who's still playing, um, and probably, in my opinion, the baddest dude in the minors, and uh, was Brett Gallant. There's an old maritime boy. Yeah. How did uh, how'd you get along with? Yeah, Gallant? yeah. I I got along with Galley. Got, me and Galley got along fine, you know. He was he was a quiet dude, man. You know, no, um, he no. was just stepping up. He was just stepping up into the coast at the time, you know. So a lot of these guys that you know that we're talking about, I, I caught them kind of early on in their careers. Guys that were closer to my age, so they weren't like they weren't like these big household names or these big names that you know you were thinking about. So they were just these young dudes coming in trying to make a name for themselves. And Galley was fucking tough as fuck, man. He oh, he'd yeah. fight everybody and. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing. He wasn't like a he wasn't like a built dude. He was oh, like big. Nope. one, you know, yeah. scrawny, skinny guy, long arms. You know, they would just go out there and fucking chuck him and get fucked up, and then just do it again the next night. Um, yeah. He was only twenty that year. That was his first year pro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, you got to remember too. Like, you know, I had fucking crazy scroy on my fucking team. I mean, we we had some crazy brawl. We had crazy shit go on. I mean, we had. Troy was jumping into benches. I mean, we had some nasty, we had some nasty shit go on that year. I mean, and uh, but but the best part was is I got to fucking skate around, and my balls were so big. Like I had the biggest yep. balls probably in the East Coast League when I was playing with those guys because it's like number one, I could fight a little bit and hold my own, but I had all these guys with me that I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're gonna fuck with me. You're gonna wait. You're gonna wake up the sleeping fucking bears, and they're gonna rip off your head and shit down your neck. Yeah. So nobody but, like wanted no, but not too many guys. You know, you know, fucked around too much. I mean, oh, you, know, you guys, when you guys roll into town, you guys are stepping off that bus. There's swagger going on in that rink. Coming to that rink. Yeah. Oh, dude, Scroy Scro- used to go onto the onto the bench. So like, say we were, like he, while we were at home or while we were on the road, he would tape his stick on the bench, like with his fucking shirt off. You know, he had his fucking hamburger meat chest all out. Fucking the worst, you know, the worst fucking tattoos in the league, you know. But he just looked like, the guy just looked like he ate fucking bullets for breakfast, you know. It's just like, you know, and then you got the scary stories about him and all the, the fighting stories and the porno stories, you know, that he was like really into porn and making porn and, you know, just, I don't know if you heard any of this stuff, but this, oh, yeah, this yeah. shit that you used, to, you, used, you used to hear around the league, whether it was true or not, he had that Ogie Oglethorpe type shit going on. And, um, you know, he would shadow box like on the bench, looking into the glass, like his reflection. And you would see the other guys on the team, like, we'd like, holy fuck. Like these were guys that like just got out of college, right? Their parents used to, you know, wipe their ass their whole life. They probably played junior hockey in the North American hockey league, lived at home, and then they went to college on a, you know, their mommy and daddy paid for college and now they're starting to play pro hockey. So they had never seen anything like this, these guys. So it was like, it was a major wake up call for them, you know? And I mean, fuck, I mean, he, that was, that was probably one of the, one of the, just one of the scariest dudes in the game back then. Yep. Well, without a doubt, you know, so, um, and then, you know, all the guys that I, I met through him cause he was friends with all the fighters on the teams. You know, like all these fighters, you know, you know how it is. It's like a pack of brothers in a way. They fight, but they're friends. Yep. So, I mean, like, he knew everybody on the road, too. I mean, 
girls. I mean, you name it. I mean, he had strippers flying in from here, this girl bringing ecstasy, this going on. I mean, you name it. I mean, it was, it was going on. I'll never forget the story. So I, 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 my roommate in Elmira, um, Nathan Lutz. Yeah. I, sorry. I just drawing a blank right now. So Lucy was my roommate. And so Lucy and Scroy would room together on the road. Um, and so fucking Scroy would, ha- you know, he'd have a girl come over like every road trip. Like he, 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 he's been in all these cities, right? Like he, like he was either bouncing from team to team or playing in these cities. He just fucking knew everybody. So yeah, I remember Lutz told me, he goes, yeah, he's like, he said it. He asked me if I mind if, if he had a girl over and Lutz was like, yeah, sure. I don't give a fuck. Have a girl over like whatever. So Lutz said that he was like, literally Lutz said that he was sitting, he was laying on the couch and he was like, just like fucking watching TV. Right. Like just, just watching TV and the girl comes over and, you know, they start making out, you know, Scroy and the girl next thing you know, like she's butt ass naked. He's butt ass naked. You know, he was young. Everybody, everybody did crazy shit, but you know, just, just that guy, just that guy made, you know, made the minors worth it. You know, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys I played with that, you know, I, I, I never, I'll never forget, you know, so we have some, you know, even, even Chaz, fucking Chaz Johnson. I mean, we used to go down, I'll tell you a Chaz Johnson story real quick. Fucking, we were down and we go to play this team in like Mississippi or something. I can't fucking remember. It was in, uh, there's an area down in Mississippi that it's all fucking Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi or somewhere like that. And there's all fucking casinos everywhere. So you're, you got a hockey team there. You got like a mini Vegas and it's like, you're just you're just get you're just saying hey you know we want you guys to all be degenerates while you're here it's like take your per diem you know put it on black and you know then play hockey the next day so it's like so we, you know i was with all these veteran guys that they were just they didn't care if we had a game the next day it was like party hard get your shit together play harder win go do it again that was the fucking mentality back then and not only could these guys do it but they could fucking do it well i don't know how and I kind of got that mentality a little bit that, you know, if you went out the night before that you made sure you had a fucking stellar game the next day, that's just kind of, that's, that's kind of the Chris Chelios, Sean Avery, old school, you know, kind of yeah. mentality. And a lot, you know, a lot of guys in that, in that league, you know, had that. Um, I was never, fortunately I was never one of those play- early on in my career. I was never one of those players that could just get absolutely fucking shit faced and then go out and have a great day. I just wasn't me. Um, but I started to pick up on that that year in uh, in Elmira with those guys. I started partying a lot and going out and you know the whole shebang. But yeah, we were down in Biloxi, Mississippi, and we were had a, just just a crazy night. All guys guys are just with chicks everywhere. You know, guys are disappearing with girls. You know, Chaz Johnson takes a girl out to the beach. God knows what the fuck went on out there. And then next thing you know, you know. I, I, I walk into my hotel room. I'm walking in, in the, in the, off the elevator into the hallway. And I see this guy in the hallway, just peeing off on this broad, like <laughs> in the middle, like they're literally laying on the floor, just, and he's just giving it to her. And I'm just like, Holy fuck. Like, and the next thing you know, security's there and the whole bit. And I mean, just, we just, we used to just have just some crazy fun. I mean, I think I, I got into some trouble in the hotels too. I, through a phone one time. I don't know. Just crazy shit happened. It was, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it all, you know, being on your show. I don't know, but we had some, we had some crazy times, man, for sure. Oh yes. Life in the minors. 
Well, so the uh, following year, you leave Elmira and you start off and uh, <laughs> you go to the. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, I'm still battling a cold here. Uh, uh, the uh, Central Hockey League with the uh, Evansville Icemen. And uh, yeah, my 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 career is just going down the tubes. We were talking here. Well, I was going to say, how did you how did you end up there? And Richard Crom's your coach, and uh, you started there. Uh, how how did you wind up there, and why did you leave there? Uh, all right. Well, well, what happened was I was I was planning to. Re- I went home that summer, and I said I was going to retire. I was like, I'm done. I'm like, after the fucking you know that year and year and a half I had in Elmira. I mean, that could really, like, fucking wear you out. Six teams, bus crash, you know, oh. Mike Scroy, Frank Littlejohn, Chaz Johnson, all these guys, Steve Martinson. I mean, it was a lot. I mean, yeah. it was a lot. So I was like, I was like, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, get on with my life a little bit. I was dating a girl at the time who was really fucking hot, and, you know, she was leading me around by my nose. The, uh, yeah, I, I didn't plan on going anywhere that year. I... I didn't even have an agent, you know, and last minute I was like, fuck, you know, I just got that itch to go play. And it was like the only thing that I, it was so late in the summer. It was like the only thing that I could grab. So I just fucking took it and believe it or not, they were paying me quite a bit of money. So I was like, I I was, I felt very fortunate that I got decent money. And anyway, so I go out to fucking Indiana and it was like a fucking, it was, it was awful. Like nothing was set up. I mean, apartments were shit i mean the guys on the team all these guys came from the united hockey league that were a fucking disgrace to playing hockey in my opinion um didn't take the game serious at all it's like listen if you want to go out and party fine but when we get on the ice like let's win some fucking games like i'm not here to fucking lose games i'm here to win that's one thing is like whether anybody says bad good about me i play fucking hard and i like to fucking win i might be a dick but i i like to fucking win so i'm like I'm like, we're, we're, you guys are going out. We're not fucking winning games. I'm like, what the fuck am I? Why am I here? You know, like, I'm wasting my fucking time, and my time's fucking valuable. So I literally packed my shit up, went into Crom's office, and I, and I told him just that. I said, these guys don't want to fucking be here. They don't want to play fucking serious. They're just here for a fucking, they want to just get a fucking paycheck and, and just fuck off all day and smoke pot and whatever. I'm like, I'm out of here. So I fucking put all the shit in my rig, and I fucking drive back to Omaha and my girlfriend at the time's in Florida where she was living. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with me. I'm like, I'm just at home at my house. It's Christmas time. I'm with my parents and I'm just, I, I literally thought it was over. Like I was like, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck's going to come knocking on my door. I, I actually had, if you look at the points, I was actually doing pretty well in Evansville with points. I was, yep. my, th- this is when my, this is when my offensive ability, like, started to kind of kick in. I really think that some defensemen mature later and I really was starting, you know, to really hone in on my offensive skills and really becoming comfortable on the power play, you know, really being able to learn how to walk the blue line with your feet outside when the puck's just on the inside, really stretching that zone. And, you know, I was starting to have some success. So, you know, in Elmira, even though there was a lot of bruisers, we had some guys that were really super skilled. I mean, we had some, you know, some guys that had some American League games and, and stuff like that. And there was a guy in Elmira. If you go, if you go look through the Elmira stats, look up a name, Kevin Yulansky, U-L-A-N-S-K-I. One of the best forwards I ever fucking played with to this day. Um, 
and that's out of all the places I've been. He, um, he played at the University of Denver, and I think he got a girl pregnant, ended up having a kid before he turned pro. So his daughter was always out there. So he eventually went to go play for the Colorado Eagles, which at the time was of the Central Hockey League. Now it's with the AHL. And um, he made that place his home. And we had always stayed in contact, like, you know, via Facebook and, you know, over the phone a little bit. And just, I re- you know, I always pick guys' brains that I talk to, you know, like, oh, what's it like? You know, how's this there? Do they do this for you? Do they treat you well? Blah, 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 blah. And he always used to say to me, Joe, if you're not in the fucking NHL, Colorado Eagles is the place to go. And I was like, uh, I, I had never been to, I had never been to Colorado. I'd never been really anywhere. I mean, I was a blue collar kid from New York that, you know, parents didn't have that much money. And so traveling like wasn't my deal, but so anyway, I fucking contact him or I don't know if he contacted me or I contacted him. I can't remember. And I expressed my interest and I was like, fuck it. Let's go to Colorado. I mean, it's like one state over from where I was. It was, I was almost like eight hours away. I'm like, what the fuck else do I got to do? So, so we tried to get my rights you know, from Evansville and they were giving us a hard time. And then I told them, I told Evansville, I told Cronus, I ain't fucking coming back. Like, I'm not coming back. No way. No, thank you. So Colorado gets my right. Once again, my dad, my, my biggest, my, my biggest supporter, but also my biggest critic. Um, we fucking pack up my, my, my rig. I had a pickup truck at the time and we, we haul ass out to, uh, to Fort, Collins, Colorado, Loveland, Fort Collins area. And, uh, we get there. Like I have a game that like they, they, when every, once everything went down, they were like, we need you here right away, right now. Because they had a really, they had a really great defenseman. His name's Aaron Schneekloth. If you go look at his numbers, he's like probably one of the best defensemen that's ever played like in the, in the CHL. I mean, just tons of points. He's played in the AHL a little bit. But anyway, he was injured with a knee problem, so they needed somebody right away that could kind of pick up the slack and get on the power play, et cetera. And uh, so I get out there right away, and we, uh, I get to the arena, and I'm like, holy shit. I mean, this place is fucking gorgeous. It's called the, the – a gentleman that owns part of Budweiser owns this team. Um, his name's Martin Lynn, and he, he has a facility out there, and it's called the Ranch. And on the Ranch, he's got the hockey rink – He's got like an area where they like, you know, where they sell horses or like, it's this whole big spread out there. It's, I couldn't believe what I saw. And when you get in the rink, I mean, it's like, it's phenomenal. It's like a state of the art rink. I mean, there's just, you know, uh, championship banners in, in the rafters. I mean, it's just, it was really mind blowing. I was like, I was like, holy shit, I made a good decision. You know, and when I got there once again, I always know, I always know when the coach is like, I'm going to get along with them and they're, and they're, and they're really for the players, you know, just by little things that they do, just little things. So I get there, they meet my dad, they fucking, they give me, they give me an envelope, probably like, I don't know, an inch thick, full of cash. They're like, this is our, you know, this is, this is for all your troubles, your travel, whatever. We got a hotel waiting for you. Go to the hotel. Get, you know, there's a meal ready for you. Take your pregame meal. Get your pregame nap. Be back here two hours before. And uh, then my life started with the Colorado Eagles, man. And it was the best. It was the best experience I've ever had in 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 professional hockey. I mean, it. I would trade the New York Islanders experience for another season 
with the Eagles. Literally, that's that's how much of an impression it made on me to the to the way they treat the players, to the travel, to the accommodations. I mean, we fly everywhere. We get first class treatment. We stay at the best hotels. I mean, get, I got nothing but good things to say. And that year was a uh, once again we had another year. If you look at that roster, we had Mike Scroy on the team. We had Dan Sullivan. We had Jason Beatty. We had like some legit heavyweights, and then you had me, who was like a middleweight guy. And once again, I felt like I had you know, balls of steel with these guys behind me. And I just, ter- I terrorized the CHL that year. Literally terrorized, terrorized the league. Alex Penner, Weapon like, X. Yeah. Yep. yeah, we had Weapon we had Weapon X on the team. And, you know, he had just came back from the UK. And he had his head, he had like his head shaved, like all those, I don't know, like those guys that watch the football games. And you have, you just keep the hair up the middle of your head. But yep. then you buzz sides off. And then he had tattoos on the side of his head. And like, I thought, I like, I was like, this guy. I literally thought he was fucking whack. Like, I thought I was like, this guy's crazy. Like, like, legit crazy. Um, who actually, we, you know, I, I, I talk to Pens once in a while on, on Facebook all the time. And his brother was on the team, and his brother was like a, you know, played in the AHL for a while. His brother was a phenomenal goalie, and uh, yeah, man, we had some, we had some good stories. I, that team was like, I was on a team full of men. These were guys that they had been around. They they came to the ring to fucking play hockey. They put the skates on. They were there for business. Uh, just straight professionals. And um, the coach of the team, Chris Stewart, amazing coach. Uh, I looked up to him like a father. Honestly, he was like a father figure to me. And uh, talking about a guy that, I mean, he got the most. He probably got the most out of me than any other coach I ever played for. That guy... I probably had my best season in pro hockey there, and we went to the final. We went to the finals that year, um, and we lost in. You know, the, it was like the dream game, like game seven. You know, game seven. You know, everything's on the line. Down by a goal. You know, three four minutes to go, and you know, and uh, I remember that game. I, I took a I took a slap shot, and Yelansky tipped it, and it went in, and we. Supposedly we tied the game and it was a high stick, and then we ended up losing the game in the long run. But like I said, it was a, it was a, it was a great experience, a very humbling experience as well. Well, just some of the characters I wanted to throw a couple names at you. I know you fought them. Um, was uh, you know a legendary minor league tough guy, uh, Colt King. Oh, Colt, Colt King, huh? Yeah, me and Colt. Um, we didn't really, we didn't really get along. Um, we were kind of. He was playing in Rapid City, yep. and I was playing in Colorado, and uh, that was like a big rivalry in that league at the time, like the, just brawls. And um, yeah, we, uh, you know, once again, this guy was way bigger than me. India. I, I guess I have a thing for natives. Doesn't it seem like that? I think you might be a closet racist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not a racist at all. I'm just saying. I, just keep, I keep getting these guys that are just absolute maniacs, and you get the native folks. I guess. I guess I, yeah. Yeah. I guess I played. I played like a rat a little bit. I played like your Sean Avery. I just used to annoy the fuck out of people and get people off their game and try and get people more focused on me than than the game itself and draw two, three penalties a game, then get on the power play and score and shove it up their ass and be happy. So, yeah, no, it was, um, he challenged to fight me like at home, at home one time. And 
he's been trying to come after me for a while. And finally I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm like, I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of him up my ass. I'm tired of everybody. Like, you know, and when I'm at their building, so I dropped the shit and yeah, he, I, the fights online, I guess he didn't really hit me with anything, but he kind of, you know, threw me down a little bit. I mean, but then in, in playoffs in the, the last round before the finals, you know, I had like draw like four penalties that game. I think I had a goal and two assists and, he wanted to fight me at home in Colorado. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, you're in my barn. We got like 7,000 fans in here screaming Eagles. You know, it's, I'm like, whether I win this fight or lose this fight, if I show up, I'm a hero here. Either way, I'm already getting star of the game. So we, um, we square off right at center ice. Um, this fight is not online, I believe. Um, but I somehow we scrappled a little and I hit him with a punch and I dropped him. Like, he just kind of, like, dropped down on his knees. And, the, like, not like I dropped him, like, knocked him out. But, you know, he buckled a little bit. And the refs came in, and, and he was fucking embarrassed as hell. And we ended up knocking him out of the – we knocked him out of the playoffs that year. And it was, that was, a, that was a, a bittersweet to knock them out because they had won the league the year before. Um, but, yeah, man, he, he, did not, he did not like me at all. So that was uh, – but I wasn't scared of him. And, you know, that's one thing. It's like – when I got in that mode and I flipped that switch, like I think everybody has it, but more so than others. And, you know, I, I had a switch that I would just go fucking wacko. And, you know, at that point it was like, to me, like a street fight. And it's like, like my, you're not going to, I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of my boys. So I was like, I'm win or lose. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in it. So that's kind of how I always looked at it. That just fight anybody show up and um, let the chips fall where they may. Well, there's another character I want to ask you about, and uh, in legendary in Fort Wayne with the Comets, and I mean that's a legendary organization, and it's been around forever, and they love their toughness in Fort Wayne, and they've had a lot of tough dudes roll through there. But um, at that time in that year, uh, Morasti was there briefly for 19 games, <clears throat> but there was another character there. He's from Fort Wayne. He was a local kid. He'd fight. wasn't very big, but he'd get into it. And uh, and he seemed to like to cause the trouble. Kind of the Avery of the of the time was Kaylee Chirac. Do you? Yeah, remember? I remember Chirac. Yeah, yeah, little guy. Yeah, little fucker. Um, super tough. I mean, I wouldn't say super tough, but he played a lot tougher than his size. Oh yeah, yeah. Sense. He'd get into it. He'd fight everybody. He had a lot of fights. Yeah, he'd average about twenty fights a year. He's a good player though. He had twenty goals and stuff. Like yeah, he had. He had him, and then you remember the name Craig Sescon? Yep. Sescon was there, I believe. They had some tough guys on that team. Um, but, yeah, I never – that was a team that I didn't stir up the pot that much with. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I would – I could never get into rhythm. When we would get into Fort, Rain, Fort Wayne, that arena, I don't know. I could just never get in the right mind frame or, <clears throat> or rhythm there. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I never really sort of a pot there. I don't think we really had that many fights with those guys either. So, um, not much to say, but I, I had always heard about him that he was like, uh, yeah, he's a little wild. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know him on a personal level at all. So I can't oh, I really see all these guys, all these guys are good guys. Listen to me. When you're, if I, if I met all these guys today and we went out for a beer, we'd all laugh. Like oh, they're yeah. all good guys, even oh, though yeah. I crash talking you know, some of them at all. I'm just 
kind of make it interesting. I'm, I'm hoping that it makes them pick up the phone and give me some shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there. Um, well, we'll keep going here, but uh, well, so you pretty much um, the following year you just play the two games in, in Rapid City, and then you basically you kind of retire, um, and then you yeah. uh, you know you take the year off, and then in 2013-14 you you begin in Nottingham and end and end up in Italy. Correct? Or do you begin yeah. in Italy and end up in Nottingham? Which one? No, it's Italy. You, no, you start in Nottingham. No, I start in Norway. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't have that on HockeyDB, but okay. Yeah, so basically, well, I didn't take the year off. What happened was I um, I had a I had a major hip injury, and I had to have hip surgery. Oh, okay. And uh, so I... I got hurt when I was in Rapid City, and, you know, you start to really find out a lot about these teams, and, you know, I start, you know, as I was into the league longer, or these leagues longer, you start to understand what's really going on, and the financial aspect about it, and the politics, and, I mean, it's just as dirty as any business, in my opinion, but, you know, I, once I got hurt and injured, you know, these what they're supposed to do is if you got hurt, like in a practice or something like that, they're responsible and they're supposed to, you know, you know, get you healthy, whatever that is, if that's a surgery, if that's rehab, rehabilitation or, you know, whatever. Um, but they tried what they were, they tried to terminate my contract after I got injured. So it was a really shitty, really shitty situation. Right. You know, I had a team like rapid city who they're just paying fucking, they're paying everybody under the table, which is completely illegal which, you know, that's one of those things that nobody really talks about, but I really don't give a fuck because I don't... I hope that they're listening to this podcast because that whole organization is an absolute fucking joke. Um, but, yeah, they're paying guys under the table. They're trying to put a championship team together, and, you know, then some, then you get hurt, and it's like they don't... Everybody's kissing your ass to get you there. They're like, oh, come play here. You know, you're going to be great. You know, they're you're hanging out with the GM. You're going out to bars with the GM while you're there. You're drinking. You know, you're out with girls with the GM, but the minute you get hurt and you're not any use to you, then they just want to fuck you. That's how that works. Yeah. And they don't even use Vaseline. There's not even Vaseline. Yeah. They're just, you're like, I was like, I'm out, I was out with you two days ago drinking and now you're trying to terminate my contract because I have a, I have a hip injury. So next thing you know, I had to get, um, I had to get the, uh, the union involved and we took their asses to court and, of course, you know, usually justice prevails, and we we uh, we ended up winning, and I won a bunch of money from them actually for all the all the shit that they put me through. So I was really out of hockey for that whole year because I had surgery, and this I couldn't really do anything while this court case was going on either. I really had to wait for it to, uh, I guess, to kind of die down, you know. So then I rehab myself back and that was a really hard summer i mean I, I was doing rehab like four or five days a week um and i was it, was it was very very it was mentally challenging for sure and then i said you know what fuck it i said the dream i, I really said i was like the dream's over like like i had known before but i was really like open about it and i was like listen i just want to go to i just want to go have fun like i wanted to be you know i don't care about winning a trophy anymore you know wearing a ring I don't care about getting to the AHL, trying to get, the, I just want to go somewhere and have fun and have some good memories 
and I was single at the time and I was like, literally, I was like, I hope I go, I hope I get to go to Europe. I have fun. I meet some girls, have a lot of sex with girls, have a great time, fucking party my ass off, play two games a week, which is like on a 38 game schedule and just live the life. Maybe I'll meet a girl and get married. I mean, I, there's so many guys I played with that they like played in Sweden and they met some Swedish girl and yeah. you know, the whole bit. I was like, this, this was like my, my fucking farewell tour. Like Gretzky played in all those rinks at the end and say goodbye. This is like my, I just, I just wanted to go have a good time. I, I really wasn't taking life too serious at this point. Okay. So, uh, well, how did, uh, so you end up in like, well, you, you go in the Italy and, uh, but I wanted to ask you about the Nottingham, <coughs> the Nottingham Panthers. How'd you end up with Nottingham? Um, so, I was in Nor I was in Norway for a little bit, and it just uh, it wasn't. Uh, believe it or not, I got I got hit from behind. I had a C two fracture in my vertebrae, and um, it just I just got off to the wrong foot there. You know, I healed up, and they had brought other players in, and I was like, I was I was getting asked to come by Nottingham, and one of my old friends, uh, Eric Warner who uh, he played in the coast. He's played in the AHL, um, played for university of Michigan, national program guy, um, you know, got me to come there. And I, uh, I came over and it was, listen, it was, a, it was, a, it felt like North American hockey there for sure. It didn't feel like European hockey because after playing in Norway and we, you know, we played in Sweden, a bunch in different areas, you know, it was, it, it, European hockey is completely different. It, you know, it's a wider rink, you know, it's a lot of looping and swooping and, less hitting, no fighting, and, you know, more about the skill. Kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of the NHL today. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's more, the NHL is more similar to European hockey than it is to old-time hockey, for sure. Um, so I know we can agree there. But, yeah, I got to Nottingham. It was, it was uh, you know, it was, I don't know how I felt about it. I didn't, I didn't think the league was a very good league. Um if you look at my points, when you see me tearing, you know, getting good points in a league, I mean, it, it can't be that good of a league, you know, because I'm not like a, I'm not a, I'm not some top scoring, you know, guy, you know. So, but I, I didn't really like the coach there, you know, this guy, Corey Nielsen. I mean, I thought he was a, honestly, I thought he was a fucking douchebag, to be honest. Um, you know, he like, like calling me names and stuff. Like, I think he, I think he called me a cunt one day in practice, and I was like, did you just call me a cunt? I was like, really? Like. Anyway, just, and plus I really didn't care at that point. So I just wanted to, like, I was like, how can I see more cities and stay in Europe? So I, I, I really, but I, I enjoyed playing in the arena and it, it was nice kind of like going around to the different leagues out there. And, you know, it was fun in the UK. Um, I really enjoyed my time in Norway. I really, I really embraced uh, the country and the guys on the team treated me so well. Um, if I could ever go back to live in Norway, play in Norway, that's, that's where I would go and, and uh, then my next stop was Italy, and I'm Italian, so it was always my dream to uh, to play in Italy. And I have a European passport, so I didn't count as an import for, uh, for you know for some teams and stuff like that. So at that time, it didn't uh, I didn't really take away from anything going to play in Italy with those guys, and you know I had a I had a great time. I mean the the farewell tour was was uh, was definitely definitely great but I, I i came across some crazy guys in the uk league you know that was kind of well you had that salters and you had brent henley there and yeah you <laughs> fought ben will or ben olsen and adam keith and yeah yeah you know i, I came across all these it, it felt like another 
you know, it felt like another ECHL type thing. You know, it was it, it was the same thing. You got a bunch of guys policing the league like it should be, and you know, I was running around out there like fucking Sean Avery, like just talking shit to everybody, just just fucking with people, just because I could, you know. And um, you know, I had to, I had to answer the piper sometimes, you know, and sometimes I didn't. And I, I when I was on uh, in Nottingham, I had a lot of tough guys behind me too. Um, so it was, uh, you know, like that Brent Henley guy was just yeah. fucking ginormous. Yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know what the parents fed him when he was a kid, but we actually lived we we lived together, and uh, yeah, man, he was a he was a big boy, and I remember I never forget a little funny story about him is that he would get like I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was Kokanee beer, but it was he used to get a beer mailed to him from Canada. Maybe it was Molson Canadian. I can't remember, but when I first got to the house. I hadn't seen a Canadian beer in a while. So he was like, he was out and they had brought me to the house to move in. And then I was done moving in. I opened the fridge and it's like, there's nothing in the fridge except like the Molson beer with that insignia, you know? So like my fucking eyes lit up like a kid with candy. So I think it was like the last one. <laughs> so I fucking cracked that fucker open and man, was he fucking pissed. Like I didn't hear the end about it for for a long fucking time that I cracked that beer open. I, I think it was a Molson Canadian. If I, I don't think it was Kokanee. I'm a big, I'm a big Kokanee guy. Do you, have you heard of Kokanee? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big Kokanee guy. So, you know, I, I might even send you some money to fucking mail me some <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, no, the, the UK league, it was, it was all right. You know, I, I got into a, I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask me about it, but I mean, yeah. I got into a, a, a big, uh, a big incident the following year that, you know, I, I don't know how proud I am of it. But, well, here we go. Well, but, here we can't, we're teasing the people. Let's talk. So the following year, you're at Edinburgh <coughs> with the Capitals. You yeah. 13, 13 games, eight points, 102 minutes of penalties. And, uh, I believe an 18 game suspension, I think is what I read. So here, run us through what happened. And, uh, the floor is yours. All right. So, so basically, you know, we're on we're on a skid, right? We're losing fucking game after game because you know Edinburgh doesn't really win, you know, and uh, at least not around the time or that I was around. So we got this Slovakian or Czechoslovakian coach. Like the guy doesn't know his fucking ass from his elbow. This guy Richard, I don't even remember his last name. He was a player too. Um, the guy was an absolute fucking idiot. So had no. I mean, I had no respect for him. A lot of the players had no respect for him. It was just, Richard, that was a whole perfect storm. So, Richard Hartman. What'd you say? Richard Hartman. Richard Hartman, yeah. Yeah, like, the guy's trying to get, we're in a North American-type league playing hockey, and he's trying to get us to play, like, the NHL today or, like, how Swedish and Czechoslovakian or Czech hockey is. I'm like, dude, you they're, they're coming at us to fucking hit us and kill us, and you want us to, like, fucking loop and swoop and, you know, make these pretty plays, and it's like, it's not working. Like, wake the fuck up, like we got to like hit the blue line and chip the puck in and like get dirty. It's like, it just wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a good, good thing for me. I mean, the, the rink was shit. I mean, we, we didn't even have cars. I was taking the bus to practice and the, the, I was taking the bus around the city. It was, it was an absolute fucking mess. So, so we're coming. So next thing you know, I hadn't played Nottingham since I left, you know, and you know, we got a game coming up and I had, 
I had just got over a concussion. So out of all the fights I've had, which I had a shit ton, I have only had one guy that I say really fucking really whooped my ass. Like, and it was a, um, he's the coach, I think of the, oh, Zach Fitzgerald. You know that name? Of course, Zach the Hack. I know him well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so anyway, we got into like a scrap and I'm like, I really, I didn't want to fight. I just, it was one of those nights that I wasn't prepared to fight. I wasn't ready to fight. And so I just like, we get into it and I just kind of like, I just stiff arm him out, right? Like, just get him as far as away. And he's, he's just hitting nuggets off the back of my head, right? Nothing's happening. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm going to probably pull the seatbelt here in about five seconds, call it a night, get ready to go out to the bar. Like, I really didn't, like, that's just, at the point in my career, that's just where I was at. And uh, he threw, like, a, this little hammer punch, and he hit me on the corner of my jaw. Like, I mean, I don't even think he hit me hard, but he just, like, knew, like, it was like a fucking button. And he hit the button, and I just got disoriented just enough to fall, and I smacked my fucking head square on the ice. And literally, like, I don't think I've seen that much blood, like, ever on me, like, when, in anything. I was like, holy fuck. I'm like, I didn't know what the fuck happened. So, I, anyway, whatever. I had a concussion, and I was just getting over it as we were going to play Nottingham. And, you know, the biggest thing with concussions, you know, now with CT and all this bullshit, is that when you get one concussion you really want to let the brain full healy, like, uh, uh, heal fully. Yep. Um, and that could, that could take, you know, like look across uh, Crosby. I mean, it, it could take a year. It could take nine months. I mean, we don't really know how long, but it's back then, you know, you, you stay off the ice a week or two and then you're back at it. But I was having problems with like, I'd be in a noisy restaurant and then I would get like disoriented and panicky and a headache and, I couldn't look at my cell phone because of the LED lighting and then the computers. And it, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really, actually it was a scary experience. Cause I was like, man, is my head going to get better? Um, but it started to get better and I started, you know, finally I'm like pushing, pushing to come back and we're playing fucking Nottingham. And I know, like, I know some shit's going to go down. Like, it's just how it goes. Like you play your old team, you know, and all night long I'm getting hacked. I'm just getting fucking whacked and hooked the whole bit. So I get fucking, I get a puck dumped in my corner and I go back and I'm like four feet off the boards and I forget who it was. And the motherfucker has, he fucking trips me four feet off the boards. And I'm like the year, you know, before I had a C2 fracture and almost fucking died. So I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm like, this shit is like, it's done. Like before I fucking get hurt, it gets to a point in your life that it's like when you're younger, you're full of piss and vinegar. You're fucking throwing. You don't give a fuck. You don't have no respect for your body, no respect for other people. You're just, just, you're just young, you know? And then as you get older, you start thinking about like life after hockey and like, man, I almost just fucking died. And you know, like all these things start kind of like piling up and you start to have like, start to have a little bit of fear. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of what happens. You start to become a little bit civilized and, you know, less animalistic. The more, you know, the more money you have saved, the more money you make, you know, you're starting to develop your life. Maybe you have a wife, maybe you have children, you know, all these things are like just fucking popping in your head. So this guy fucking hooks me. I almost fucking break my neck again. So then I'm like, that's it. Switch has fucking gone off. I'm like, I'm going to take somebody's fucking head off. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to catch somebody with their head fucking down and hit them so hard that fucking snot bubbles are popping out of their fucking nose. That's how I like to hit. That's how I like to think. That was my game. 
So there was a puck. Somebody, I don't know, somebody like, like looped the puck in the air or flicked the puck, puck in the air. And I go to see one of their players like, I think his name was Parent. Maxim Parent is the guy. Some French guy. Typical French. Um, and he's going to like catch it. The puck's coming down to the ice or he's like catching it. And he's just fucking looking backwards. And I literally like see like, that's my signal. Like, so I take like three steps, drop my shoulder. Soon as he turns, soon as he turns, I just fucking tattoo him. Like I tattoo him. They said the hot, the hit was high, but I mean, if you're going by my type standards and old, like old hot, old time hockey standards, and it's fuck, we're in the UK. I'm like, I thought it was a good hit. And it wasn't like I fucking, you know, hit him directly in the head. I hit him in his shoulder, knocked him down. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was like a, a dirty hit. So, um, no, that, so then somebody else comes after me with, you know, and I'm like, fuck, like these guys are going to want to fight now. I know that someone's coming for me. Like I was ready. I was like spun around. I'm like, who's coming? So I said, if these motherfuckers want to come after me tonight, they're, they're messing with the wrong dude. I said, because they're going to eat my stick. And then they were going to fight. I said, I, I was ready to like baseball bat swings. I just was, that was just the mentality that I had that night. I already had accept that night. I already accepted a job with Porsche, the German car company to work for corporate. And I'm like, I'm going to be leaving here soon. So like, you know, that's, that's the most dangerous type of people is when they really don't care and they don't have anything to lose at that point. The only thing that I was worried about is I just didn't want to end up in jail. So, you know, so this guy comes at me. So I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm, I'm really don't want to, I'm telling him like, I don't want to fight. I really didn't want to fight. I want to get hit in the head again. He keeps coming after me, coming after me. And so I just fucking pitch fork spear him right in the fucking stomach. I'm like, fuck you done. And then, uh, then he wants to fight. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we square off and we all know anybody that knows game, the game of hockey is that you're going to square off, you drop your glove, you throw your stick away, you know, you take your bucket off so you don't fucking break your hand or cut your hand on the visor. Um, <clears throat> so I go to unstrap my bucket. Like, I always take my bucket off when I fight. And I go to, I just grab by the, um, the, by the half shield and I go to take it off and I'm looking and I'm like, this motherfucker has no, he's got no thought in his mind about taking off this helmet. Like, he's just going to come... He's just going to, I can see it. He's already starting to come at me. So I mean, so I'm like, fuck this. I'm like, why am I going to fight fair? Why am I going to try to fight fair? And this guy's going to come at me with his helmet on, you know, and I'm going to be punching his helmet. So I took the helmet off. And as soon as he got a little bit closer, I fucking whipped my helmet as hard as I could right in his fucking face. Boom, done. And yeah, I guess it was, it's dirty. But I think at that point, I was just done. I was just truly done with the game and I was done with everything that kind of was going on. I, I think that's what happens at the end is that for some people you can get a little disgusted and, you know, like you, you said, I mean, I was on the road a lot, you know, getting shipped around and, you know, getting injured and all these things. And I just, I just said, you know what, why don't I just go out with a bang, you know? And that was just the way it ended. That was the last time I ever, uh, <laughs> I got escorted off the ice there in Nottingham. And that was the last time I put the gear on professionally. I got offered contracts after that in Germany and different places, but I think I was like 27, 28 years old. It was just, it was just time to get on with my life. And, uh, it was a very difficult, 
it was a very difficult decision, um, for sure. You know, just to walk away from everything that you've ever known, you know, self-identity, um, a lot of things going on there uh, that I'd love to talk about like, if you have some questions. But, yeah, uh, that was that's, that's how it went down. Well, there you go. What do you well, think about that, Darren? Well, that was a hell of a ride, man. Um, well, right, before we leave the U.K., um, you know, and wrap up, um, like, you know, how, uh, like, I've interacted uh, with the U.K. fans on Twitter, and I've talked to a few of them privately, and, uh, you know, a couple big fight fans. I know John and Paul, you guys are listening. I appreciate it. Um but uh, I've uh, I've encountered uh, and I've talked to players that have played over there, and uh, there are some Homer fans over there, and it's almost like that like they can't they just the blinders on and there's no reasoning. It's just their team and that's it. And you know, so I could imagine that you were just public enemy number one in Nottingham um, after you left. Um, overall, what, what was your feeling of the of the fans in uh, in the UK? Well, I think um, I think that hockey is getting really big in the UK, and it has been for a long time. And they've they've really done a good job developing the game there. Um, so I think there's some great fans. I really do. Um, I'm really appreciative of any fans I have left. Um, I used to have a big Twitter following. It's kind of died off, but. You know, everybody treated me really well when I was to my face, um, of course. Um, but I think the fans are just not, you know, they didn't grow up playing hockey. I mean, they grew up with football, you know, and they just go to the pubs and get fucking shit-faced and scream at the TV, and that's what they know. That's just that's all they know. So that's what they do with the hockey. I mean, you got a bunch of people that, you know, that are in these arenas that are fans or call themselves fans, but they don't really know the game. Some of them, the, the ones that do, you know, like yourself, and you know, um, you, you kind of if you meet these fans, you can you you can t- find out if they, if they really know the game or they don't. And um, yeah, you know, I guess some of them are trolls, you know, and some of them aren't. Um, but for the most part, you know, just just seeing the comments on Twitter and and stuff like that, it's it's just it's lack of uh, it's lack of knowledge, it's lack lack of depth depth, um, you know. They don't really understand, you know, the ins and outs of the game of hockey that, like, somebody that, you know, a Canadian boy, you know, yeah. even even if you didn't play pro hockey, you know, you, you, you grew up playing fucking hockey in the winter on a fucking lake or on a pond, and, you yeah. know, you yeah. you know you took a stick to the face. Like, these guys, they, they can't even fucking put skates on, you know? So it's, uh, it's, a, different, it's a different crowd, you know? It, it, it's like trying to say us, you know, as North Americans, that we know, like, football like soccer we don't know shit about football so once again you don't know shit about it stay the fuck out of the pool don't try and swim the same thing i'm not you know i'm not online talking about soccer and football i mean so yeah i guess they're homers they're homers and i see them give you shit all the time it's uh it's unfortunate that they have small minds well it's it's more just like uh like i get it go team and every you know i get that but it's like it, it's the bigger picture, and it's like when it's it's mostly um, about the suspensions and stuff. <clears throat> and it's like you get the people commenting, like, "Well, they don't care because that's that's not their team." I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's not your team this time. Wait until it is." I'm like, "This is a hockey problem. This is a league problem that they're calling stupid shit like this and suspending guys for nothing." And it's like, "Oh, you, you don't care now because." 
that was Sheffield and, you know, fuck them. Yeah, it's Sheffield today, but wait until it's Nottingham tomorrow. And then you'll be oh, on when it happens to when it, when it happens to them, then the fucking bombs are going off, then the sirens are going off, then Twitter's going off, then it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they did this to our guy. And it's like, wait a second, like two weeks ago, you didn't give a fuck when it happened to so and so. Exactly, and it's like, no. So that's yeah. what I keep telling you. No, you you got to see the big picture. I'm saying it's a problem that they're calling that. I said I'm a neutral. I don't give a shit who, on what team and who. <clears throat> but I'm just telling them, it's like, no, this is a hockey problem. Because I know the people I've talked to over there, or you know, or the players I've talked to that have gone over there, they always say the biggest battle is with the officials. And they're just clueless. And they said it's just terrible, the officiating. Yeah, no, the, the officiating is horrible. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But, it's like, that's the thing. Like, I always try to really set my expectations at the right level, right? Like, yep. I knew the... I knew when I went to Europe, right, you know, you're going to have six or seven um, players from North America on your team. The rest are going to be like your local, you know, your local guys that are from, if you play in Norway, the Norwegian guys, if you play in Sweden, the Swedish guys. So usually the imports are probably going to be your best players. That's just kind of how it goes. They're getting paid the most money. They're being brought over with all these fancy accommodations. And then they, whatever's kind of trickled over, that's what they spread out with the other guys. So you kind of know that, like, the local players, like, they're not going to be that great. I mean, that's just a fact of it. The imports are going to be better. You know the coaching is going to be garbage. You know the coaching is going to be shit. You know there's going to be a fucking language barrier. You know that you're going to have, like, some Swedish coach that you're always going to care about is, like, developing the young Swedish guys, and he's going to, you know, put them first, or maybe he really shouldn't in, 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 at certain points in the game. I mean, you got to manage your expectations. Like, I knew over there, I was like, equipment's going to be dog shit. I basically went over knowing that everything was going to be fucking bad. That's how I set myself up. And the only thing that I cared about was like going and having a good time. So like when I came over there, I came over with all my own equipment, all my own sticks, four pairs of skates, sets of steel. Like that's just, just how I just, you know, I just kind of how I went in. And I, and I felt, you know, I felt it was, I felt it was a great experience. I really felt that I've been fortunate. I've touched every level, like, you yeah. know, a little yeah. bit, Cup of coffee there, AHL, East Coast League, OHL, Division One College, European. You know, it doesn't really, there's not many more places I could go. Maybe I could have went to Russia and played on a team with, like, fucking Yablonski and, um, and fucking your <laughs> and little Gillies? your Sonic yeah. Hedgehog guy. Yeah, I could have went to played with that crew. I mean, talk about that. You know, did you see the videos on YouTube of those guys street fighting in Russia? Oh, at the wedding. Fucking yeah, animal. yeah. Yablonski just dummy and some... At the wedding there, yep. yep. I'll tell you what, right now, I don't even think I, I wouldn't even want to play on a team with Yoblonski and, and the other guy. Like that must have been like, do, do you know what got, what the Russian guys must have been saying in the locker room? Oh yeah, they yeah. must they must have been like, holy fuck! Like what the hell is going on? What's going on with this league? Who brought these guys here? Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, we didn't even talk about like. I've never came across Yablonski like in person, as far as like in uh, in any of my games. But I I, I heard he, he was a scary, guy. you know, from what I see, he was a scary guy. Yeah, yeah. The, um, but yeah, no, um, definitely the UK league, man. They just they're just homers, and that's just how it goes. And you know, it's the same. Listen, it's the same thing with all these NHL fans these days. I mean, oh, yeah. I really think the NHL. I think the NHL has become kind of disgraceful in a way. I really do. Um, they they are causing 
they're causing the CTE, they're causing the injuries to be more prevalent in the game because they they by they sped up the game. They took away, you know, your ability to to slow a player up. Say, hey, you're going to dump a puck in, but I'm not going to let you cream my defenseman. I'm going to block you out. I'm going to edge you out so that he has an extra second to get his head up and snap the puck and make a good outlet pass. They t- they took that away from the game. Okay, now they're dumping the puck and they're just going in full speed. And you know, the, and then then on top of it, I don't know who's teaching these defensemen these days. I don't, I don't know where they're learning it. But if I got a guy, let's just say Sean Avery's dumping a puck in my corner and he's coming at me full blast. The last thing I'm doing is going to try and fucking peel out towards the boards. I don't know what these guys are thinking these days. I mean, they're just asking to be hospitalized. You know, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's like people not protecting themselves because they think the game's changed, and then you got guys that are going out, balls to the wall, but then people aren't holding up for them. And then on top of it, you got nobody policing the ice anymore. There's no fear. I mean, a lot of the plays that I see these days when players are going down the ice and skating around guys, no one's taking the body on them. Nobody's hitting them. I mean, fuck. I mean, why do you think Austin Matthews is doing so well? Nobody fucking hits the guy. I mean, yep. not not to mention he's super talented. I'm not saying they're not talented. Okay, so let's let's. I'm just saying that if I go up the ice and nobody touches me, I have a greater chance of scoring than if I skate up the ice and somebody's kind of hacking me and hitting me and making it difficult for me to get to the get to the net. I mean, I see guys, nobody used to drive the net like the way they're driving the net now. They drive the net with, like, no one's going to hit me. Back yep. in the day when a guy dropped his shoulder, you had a D-man coming across from the wide side ready to clean his fucking clock. And if he was going to go to the front of the net, he paid the absolute price. Yep. I don't see it anymore. I go to the Kings games. I mean, it, 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 the game's change. It's, uh... Well, you'd be lucky to hear the boards rattle nowadays. You know? Like... <laughs> No, it's 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 frustrating, you know. And everything comes down to money and ratings. And you know, we talked about this last time we talked. I mean, they want to make it more of a family game, and you know, all this bullshit. But what they don't really care about is they don't care about the players. They don't care about the players' health. The only reason why they're counting about the, the CTA and the players' health is because we put them in such a situation with the union that they don't have a choice. That they have to recognize it. They have to deal with it. Just like the NFL. They don't give a fuck about the players. They don't no. care about the NFL players that they go broke after fucking three years. They don't care. No one. They don't care that Chris Simon's broke and Adam doesn't have any money right now. They don't give a fuck. No, that's a that's a whole discussion and can of worms that you know it's just it's uh, just the, shameful. Uh, like it, there's a lot of things that they definitely need. I know the life after hockey for lots of guys, not just NHL guys, but like you were saying, the minor league guys. Just you know when guys have dedicated their whole life to it. And uh, all of a sudden, now in their mid twenties, late twenties, it's over. And uh, um, yeah, it's it. I've seen some. I've seen some really sad stories and heard some sad stories. And uh, you know, guys get you know mental issues and you know dependency issues. And yeah, no, it's uh, mm-hmm. and it's certainly they're certainly not getting prepared for it for sure. No, and 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 that's the one thing that I that I I want to touch on briefly. Um, you know. I never saw myself as just, just a hockey player. I just saw that like, I had to put on, I had to put on that role to stay in the game. You know, I had to be this rat, mean, tough guy, like whatever, because that's what I had to do to, to stay in the game for as long as I did. But it's not, it's not who, it's not who I am. Like, 
so I always tried to prepare myself for like, you know, life after hockey. And I always, every summer I went back to school, even if I just took one class and like, so I encourage if any players listen to like, you know, continue your education, you know, if, like I said, even if it, even if it takes you, you're on a fucking 10 year program to get a degree. I mean, I started school in 04. I got my degree in 2017. I mean, that's kind of like a fucking 10 year program to me, isn't it? Well, hey, but you got it. <laughs> that's the big thing, right? No, no, for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. And, you know, the little money that I made is like, I always, when I was, when I was younger, I remember all, everybody would get their paychecks and they, you know, just be like buying watches or going out to the bar and, you know, having these big bar tabs. And I just never did it. You know, I just sa- saved my money, you know, and I, what I did is I, I, I tried to save as much as I could. And I, I invested like towards the end of my career and I started getting into, um, to real estate. You know, uh, my father told me, he said, son, you know, one thing you don't measure a man by how much money he has. You can, you can measure somebody by like how much, by how much land they own. That's how you tell if someone's like rich. And he said, God's not making more land. He said, if you ever have a chance to buy land, he said, buy land. I don't know where he came up with that. I don't know if you heard it in the movie. I don't know. But, um, I had a chance to buy some, I took the money I had saved and I had, um, I got into the real estate business. So I got, so right now I have six properties. I do, um, Four of them are long-term rentals, and then two are Airbnbs. Yeah, so Eric Nystrom was the one who um, kind of talked me into it, but he he has he has experience. He's been doing Airbnbs in Nashville, and he's been really super successful. And it, this this goes back to my Long Island Islander days. Like we all used to train together in the summer. So Bobby Bobby Nystrom, you know, that scored the game-winning goal, whatever. Bobby Bobby was my coach when I was a kid. Um, so I, I had known Eric growing up and Eric played at the national program. So he had kind of been pitching to me these ideas. And anyway, what I'm getting at is, is that, you know, you guys, you get, they really have to have a program where they're teaching these guys to prepare for the future. And, and that's whether that's, you know, taking some money for them and, and, and investing in something or, you know, maybe the whole, you know, the whole group of guys that are in the league, they invest in one big syndicate together or something, but, I don't think they're doing enough enough to take care of these guys. Uh, and listen, it's great if you make a million dollars or you're making, you know, five million a year in the NHL. That's not the guys I'm talking about. If one no. of those guys then broke from the broke broke from the NHL, then they're just a fucking moron. I mean, uh, let's, let's just call it like it is. I mean, if if you made twenty, thirty million over the course of your career and now you're broke, I mean, something's seriously wrong there. I mean, um, but th- I'm talking about for the guys that you know played five, six, you know, they were maybe lifers in the minors, you know, or, you know, lifers in the AHL or. Well, it's the guys that didn't play the 400 games for the pension and, you know, maybe they played a season and a half, two seasons, right? So they made, you know, they made the league minimum or the 800 grand or whatever for a couple of years. And then, yeah, a couple of years in the A and now they're out, right? Yeah, Yeah, I just can't believe that they just haven't developed anything. And it's like, we know this is a problem. You know, there's so many guys that you don't know about that are, I bet you there's so many ex-hockey players that probably some have died that you don't know about. They're depressed. Yep. They can't hold the job. Their marriage is in shambles. I mean, they got PTSD. Whatever the fuck it is, they, 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 they should have had a, have a plan in place. And I'm, I'm really disappointed in, in, in the people that are at these upper levels that they, develop, they have everything for the game. Everything. But they don't take care of, they don't take care of the guys. Well, they, everything around the game they take care of, but they don't take care of the players. Well, and that's a that's a you know that falls really squarely on the 
players union. I mean, you know, they'll you got to pay your union dues, and then yeah, as long as you're paying your union dues, they'll they'll help you out. But as soon as that's over, it's you know they forget about you, and it's uh no, and that's the one thing. I mean, Dan Carcillo with the stuff he's doing. I mean, him and I have had our battles online, and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff. Well, I don't agree with how he goes about it, but I will agree <coughs> with him about the that the union should be doing a lot more than they're doing. For sure. I agree with him on that. If you knew how much these guys make that work for the union, you'd be oh, yeah. fucking shocked. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're making... They got they got big big ticket paychecks, these fuckers. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you're paying for all this shit, you know, and it's like, oh, we get discounts on rental cars, and we get discounts on this, and this, and it's like, no, don't, don't give the fucking guys a discount. Take their fucking money you know, do something with it, do something with it. That's going to create a pension for themselves. If I didn't do what I did on my own, I would have nothing. What would I have? I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have shit. I created my own pension. That's what all these guys should be doing. Uh, and it's, and listen, I, I don't, how can you ask a 19, 20 year old, 22, 23 to think about his life at 40? Yeah. Most of these guys are just thinking about like playing hockey, scoring genos and fucking broads. Let's be real. That's that's what we're yep. thinking about at 17, 18, 18 years old. And and you know what? If we could make it to the NHL, fucking great. That's that's how it went. We we trusted we trusted these unions and these people to fucking look out for us. We trusted them to to keep what, the game the right like way. What about the, wouldn't get hurt. What about the agents? Like, why aren't they helping? The agents are the biggest. They're the biggest fucking scumbags of them all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen to me. I'm not. Listen, to me, I'm not gonna. I, I don't have anything bad to say about Alan Walsh, but you know, he's a top high-profile agent. He was my agent when I was at the pinnacle, or you know, they they saw potential in me. But the minute that my career took a turn, didn't sign me back to be with them. Yeah, yeah they basically like said, "Hey, listen, you know, you were a contender at one point, but yeah. now you're not. Time marches on. Thank you for everything. Take care." And they wipe their hands clean with you. That's just the, that's just the nature of the beast, though. You know. Um, well, that's the way it is. But I mean, those guys make their living off other people's ability. I mean, he did nothing for it, right? Like he's living off other people. No, no, no. For sure, for sure. They're, they're all the yeah. Everybody's making money off these people's ability, and then when these guys are fucking left with their dick in their hands, nobody wants to help them. Exactly. I mean, I'll tell you just a story about me. Like I've always wanted to get it. I know this may sound fucked up, but I always wanted to be like, get into the Asian side of the game and be a hockey agent. I said, I wanted like, I wanted to do something different. Like I wanted to be a guy that like stuck with players that like, that truly was like their fucking father figure. That's, you know, that, you know, taught them how to fucking invest their money, how to be smart, how to, you know, if they only made a few hundred thousand in their career, how to triple that, you know, you want to be the Jerry Maguire. Yeah. 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 Fucking right. Like something like that. Like, like where you actually do good. And I've, I've actually do a little contracts for some smaller pro guys and, you know, I've, I've helped them out a lot. And anyway, I, there's the number one agency in the world is called the creative artist agency. It's based out of here in Los Angeles. It's called CAA. Pat Brisson is the, um, is the head of the sport, uh, the ice hockey department. So when I played for team USA, I played for this Olympic coach on a couple of tournaments, this guy, Lou Vero, Lou Vero's good friends with Pat Brisson. So I went there to try to, to get a job as an agent. I literally like, fucking waltzed in the office and cold called the guy and was like showed up in a suit and was like listen like i want to be an agent and it's like they were like well 
how it works is is like if you don't have something it's all about money if you don't if you don't have something to bring to the table like if i don't have like a player if i don't have like a book of business they don't want you that's just how it goes it's just everything it's a doggy dog world and you know like i said as these players as players they re- we rely on the union like I didn't even really know what the union really did. Like I didn't really understand it when I was first coming up, you know. And then as you get educated and you see situations happen in the league and to guys, you, you start to become more, start to self-educate yourself. And it's re- it's just really a shame that that it is the way it is. And you know, it's great if you played 400 games in the NHL and you got a fucking pension, but they should had they should have had a different level. They should have they should have something that if you played some on years of pro hockey or you know, they, they needed to do something for these guys that, you know, dedicated their whole life to the game, didn't go to school. You know, really, they stopped playing in their mid-30s, which nobody, you know, in the workforce world, I mean, it, somebody wants to hire somebody that's, you know, 18, 19, 22 years old, fresh out of college, before they're going to, you know, hire some 36-year-old, 37-year-old washed-up hockey player who, you know, doesn't have an education. I mean, let's call it what it is. You better know, it, some, you better know so, some people. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I wish that there was more players that when we they're on these podcasts that they would talk more about this stuff because you know it's about making it's about self it's about awareness you know and and you know it's great listen to me spitting chicklets they got a great I mean everybody thinks it's a great fucking podcast you know you got you know Paul Bissonette you got fucking Ryan Whitney from Boston sitting on their fucking couch in their underwear like telling jokes but like you know really. They're, they're not really fucking impacting people's lives. Like, you know, talk about something that has some fucking substance for God's sake. Like, you know, stuff like this, you know, everybody wants a good laugh and listen, I'm the first one to like tell stories and laugh, but it's like, you know, use your popularity to make a fucking difference. Don't be like fucking Howard Stern and just be a jerk off the rest of your life. Like, come on. So it is what it is. That's how I feel about everything. I, I feel like there's, you got to get things out there and you got to talk about it just like Carcillo's doing. Um, what's his, you know, even, even like no one even talks about the, the pressures and the abuse that the parents put on the kids. Yeah. I mean, you guys, it's, it's, it's fucking out of control. I mean, if I told you the stories about the shit that my dad did to me and then the stories that my, my friends dads did to them. And then you look at the, Oh, Sullivan, you know, I think he wrote a book or a memoir or something. I mean, you look at, I mean, that shit's going on constantly. That you know, let, let you want to talk about the fun stuff, but talk about the serious stuff once in a while. It's like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are gonna motherfuck me now, but whatever. Yeah. Shit. No, I mean that's no, it's true, true talk, and uh, yeah, it definitely needs to get put out there more, and uh, you know. But but you're doing well. You're rolling here. I know we've uh, we talked for a long time, and uh, that was a hell of a journey through the hockey uh, Joe Dramaldi. <laughs> <clears throat> hockey journey it was great and uh i just want to i uh appreciate you coming on the show and uh that was a lot of fun man i appreciate it thank you thanks for having me man i i, I had a great time i'm i'm glad we actually were able to nail down a time and i'm glad i didn't stand you up so that you didn't motherfuck me like these other players have been doing well we're we're, we're working on that <laughs> we're uh we'll see how it goes here but uh no last last little bits getting uh we're rolling here i got some irons in the fire so hopefully uh we got a couple guys show up here this uh, this weekend and next week and uh, get back in the groove. But you showed up and it was a great interview. And uh, I won't keep you any longer. But uh, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 